0: Okay, my name is Matthew Point. My traditional name is Prontukas. That was given to me from my aunties on my mother's side. Um, it is uh, Thompson River. Uh, originally, uh, my grandma B left a list of names for our family, and then they kind of, after her passing, they kind of just uh, made decisions about uh, who was getting what. Um, I'm from Seabird Island. Uh, grew up there. Um, periodically moved around Chilliwack. My dad's from Chilliwack. Squiala he where he grew up. Um, he's also... Uh, Families from Skokale as well, from the point side. So um, my mother is from the Harris family as well as the Hope side right. in um, Yale and um, Seabird Island. So uh, I guess it kind of bounced around both sides of the family, but mostly uh, Seabird is where I'm from.
1: Interesting. And what? how did you get involved in the work that you do today? You started a business. I'm fascinated by it.
0: Yeah, well, so that was a I guess it's, it wasn't ever really planned to the detail that I'm doing it, uh, other than recently. So, I mean, it's not like I had a goal, you know, growing up saying that I was, you know, going to run a construction company one day. Um, I guess it just, I've always had a knack for recognizing abilities. Um, you know, even in, in the younger years of when, uh, I was working in school and I was kind of mentoring and tutoring um, my friends and whatnot uh, in different subjects. I realized that they needed to be explained things differently, right? Because I, I hadn't had to have, um maybe much like yourself, I kind of was able to pick up ma- material and information from the school system, kind of what was expected of me, right? And so uh, I, I was able to compete with the other students and kind of like actually going to school mostly off-reserve, um, I had I had to kind of fit in there um as best I could, right? Being from Seabird Island, going to school in Agassiz. Right. There's a there's a cultural barrier kind of thing, right? So um when I started, you know, actually being able to excel in those areas and subjects, um, I found myself very competitive. But also realizing some of my friends didn't have the same ability. So I started kinda, you know, as even as early as just trying to teach my kids or I'm sorry, my friends how to tie their shoes. You know, it was just like you know what I mean? There was a there's a way that everybody learns it, and then there's a, a specific way that other people kind of find information. So um I, I kind of I kind of always kinda wanted to be that middleman. Right. right. I wanted to, you know, help my my friends learn learn the material their own way. Right. Cause I think in a lot of ways our people need to be explained differently. Yeah. Right. So I guess so when I started the company, I realized that, you know, a lot of Um, my friends kind of like they had they had some certain barriers to excel in trades and different different occupations and um, I really wanted to kind of give an uh, um, an atmosphere of security right saying like this is what we're trying out this is what we want to do we want to build houses we want to do this other stuff Um, let's let's create a safe environment for you to learn right or actually you know express yourself is probably a better word so I guess it all kind of it starts from my kind of my desire to kind of give opportunities to people that i grew up with because you know i grew up with friends that are you know struggle in certain areas for for various reasons and couldn't apply themselves right if they um they wanted to uh, get a certain job or however right there was a lot of it just wasn't as easy for them i guess in, in different ways and in, in terms of uh things weren't explained to them properly right i guess in, in terms of Uh, what was acceptable uh, in in other ways because so i when i got into the occupation trades and all that other stuff like it was it wasn't by choice i mean uh, my family members were in my dad was a roofer my brother was in construction and i just kind of like did it in between going to school so there wasn't a whole lot of history of me really trying to strive for this these things it was very recent um so starting a company geared towards first nations geared towards um building uh, homes for first nations employing first nations it was it was more or less a pipe dream uh, in a sense but uh i knew that i was i had a knack for recognizing abilities like i said and and i really strongly believe that our our people could actually excel in these areas be profitable be sort of uh multi-skilled but they just needed the atmosphere and able to achieve these things and actually someone to kind of just organize it for them yeah right so um it it kind of it all sort of started back and forth from you know my earlier days to what i recognized from my experience in different areas different trades right and so again it it's it's more complicated than than i kind of lead it to be is like i'm going to start something and then hopefully it's going to work right it's And again, when we started talking about my company, it was more or less like we were, it was, it was hard to explain what I'm going for. All right. Because, Mm. you know, when you, when you have a business, you know, um, people's idea is that it's going to, it has to be profitable. And yes, it does. Right. But you also want it to have impact. Right. With, with most people do, right. Like what you're doing here, you're, you're. Just striving to make a difference, right? And In civil terms, because you are, obviously, getting all the information together, it takes a lot of skill, a lot of organization, right? Like, you're setting up the cameras, you have to learn how to do that, and you know, and learning all these editorial things, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's more complicated than you think it is at first, right? Yeah. But it's to be expected when you start something, I think. But, um, yeah, I think I kind of went off with that question, but I, I think, I, I don't know what I'm doing half the time, in a sense, like, okay, what am I trying to do? Which means it's just not defined yet. I think when we start something, it's really kind of just takes off on its own.
1: Yeah, your ethos is so different than most construction companies, contracting companies. The mindset is typically in those industries, make money. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you hear about certain tourism businesses, um, I wear a lot of Tentree, the ethos often matters when you're shopping, when you're buying a product, when you're going into the grocery store and you see, oh, there's this item. um, You start to think, hmm, like where is this sourced? Is it sourced ethically? Can, mm. can we have a positive impact on this? Like that is very common in other regards, but it's less common in construction companies. It's less common in multi-million dollar companies. It's like, well, there's less pressure on them. So the fact that you were willing to take this on and say, how can I do this where I'm not just hiring the bottom of the barrel people, pushing them as much as I can, uh, criticizing them, firing them. That's, I've worked at uh, like landscaping companies, which are somewhat different, but often the mindset is we we don't invest anything into you until a year in Mm -hmm. because then you're through your probationary phase in that kind of company culture. And yours is very different, which is I'm going to try and find uh, the diamonds in the rough almost. I'm going to try and find those great people who just need time, support and opportunity and it's so easy, especially right now, to write people off, to say, is it worth investing in, in new people? Should we downsize? Is this worth my investment for this person? For you to say, I'm going to, to take people who haven't been given opportunities before or who have failed in other circumstances and, and invest in them is something I just find so refreshing. And again, something outside of what the industry norm, I would say, is.
0: Yeah. Honestly, you hit it on the head there. I... um. It's, it's, not a, it's not a perfect thing, too. I think um, I've had to, and I explained to my guys, is like my biggest investment is into you. Uh, you know, the, the trucks, the equipment, all that other stuff, all those things that I've built, the tools, like that is replaceable, right? And then so when it comes to my guys, and like, I've spent time, energy, thought, all of this other stuff, hoping that, you know, you, you're kind of growing a little bit, right? So, and, and in terms of, you know, I try not to put them in a situation where they'll fail like 100% but I know that that's always a possibility I want to say put them in a situation that's just a little bit too challenging for them so they'll ask questions right and then so it's like they'll lean on each other and That that dynamic to create that safe atmosphere is really hard because um I guess this brings me back to the rid- the origins of you know my my time in trade because I also had um you know some years at UFE as well and and a couple other experiences but I I always felt I had a lot of anxiety working for those construction companies, um, you know, framing companies, roofing companies. It was always like you're either here, um, you're either doing this or you're not. Right. Or you know, there was a very there was a very low tolerance for what, you know, um I was allowed to do or, you know, allowed to achieve. Um so it was a lot of pressure right in the masculine environment right it's just like you know you, you're either a man or you're not right and yeah. you've very a lot of shame and guilt for not coming up or coming up short or making mistakes so now you're hiring guys who are kind of trained um very insecure right like don't want to make mistakes don't want to admit to the boss that they're going to be late like there's a lot of things a lot of dynamics there right so um so i got a combination of those things and it's never perfect so it's i can't say that uh, I think with any company, you, you know, you want your managers, you want your um, laborers, you want your, you know, your data input. And um, so, yeah, you're, you've got this, this puzzle of people that you want around you, you know, so I want young guys, uh, a mixture of young guys mentored with older guys, mentored with, you know, different supervisors that sort of understand the philosophy. And it's, it's really hard to grasp, um, you know, for, for certain employees to grasp that philosophy because it's new and it's like, why? You know, because I've never heard it, right? They're never like, no, I'm here to invest in you. This is not because, um, it, you know, they're only used to hearing monies, dollars and whatever, right? Figures like that. Like, hey, we're going to make this, make this. and That's how you have to explain it to them sometimes. I'm like, I need to fill up your time cards this way because it costs money if you don't. You know, and I have to explain it like that because or else they'll just switch off when I say, like, no, I want you guys to actually kind of put input this. So you guys are paying attention and you guys are actually having record of what you've done. So you take that home with you. I, I log that. I read that, right? All the information is all important to me. Yeah right? It's an accumulation of data. Are you progressing? Are you paying more attention to this stuff? Are you taking pride in your work, right? Are you saying, are you documenting how long it took you to do one task and then obviously, in like two months down the road, it took you half as much time to do the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. So this is, these these are these time books are like a, a record of development. They're like journal entries, you know what I mean? So um, a lot of guys are like, this is so stupid. Why do we have to write time books? I'm like, because there's a bigger picture here, right? I want to see what you guys are putting into the work, right? But also, yeah, again, you can go back and you could reflect on all the hours that you put in, all the tasks that you've done, and it's like it's sort of you know, and then you have signatures on them, and it's 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 one one facet of a bigger picture, right? And so you have to engrave these little things that these little structures inside of the company that make it much more valuable, right? So, um, and it's not so much like, and again, well, I always have to bring it back to money, or else they won't pay attention. I'm like, no, I'm I'm developing these these systems in order for you to kind of like you know regulate where you're going because everybody i feel especially even men in in our culture and our communities need to feel like they're making a difference need to feel like they're actually you know serving their their masculine duties right kind of thing so um and and it's also it's good to track these things right because you know easy come easy go kind of thing is the philosophy that we've we've kind of grew up with but now i want you to I want you to have a track record of where you went, you know, say this is, you know, and again, payroll was a big thing for me because I wanted them to have a record of finances. I want them to look back in their past year and say, how much money did I make? What did I do with that? Reflect on those things, right? Because a lot of these guys were getting paid under the table, right? And who knows how much they were, you know, other than their bank statements, they had no idea how much they made last year, right? So I'm like, now I wanted to kind of get them to think about these things, right? So. Rather than thinking about it daily or bi-weekly, they're thinking of it yearly, right? They're taking themselves out of, out of the, the survival mode tactic kind of thing, right? So.
1: That's really interesting because you think about how much money somebody makes in a year and how much goes towards food. How much goes towards, I don't know, I think what most people play video games now. How much goes towards that? How much are you investing in vices like alcohol, mm-hmm. um, in, in drugs, in things that help you cope with your day to day? There's all these different ways of spending your money. And again, in, If you're working for a big organization, they might say, hey, have you thought about RRSPs? Have you thought about investing? Have you thought about saving your money? Have you thought about Mm -hmm. your retirement plan? What is that process? We do that to a significantly less degree with individuals doing hard labor. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that people need to understand is how often unfair it is that the people who often work the hardest yield the least fruit from their efforts like you think of berry pickers they make the least out of all of us they like make less than minimum wage oftentimes that's they're working hot sun mm-hmm. no shade long days and then they're just brought from one field to the next field yeah and then they go back to their home country often mexico and Nobody gives them a huge thank you from Canada that they did that whole trip to take care of their family. We don't care. Mm-hmm. Yet, um people sitting in offices often were like, are you stressed? Do you have techno stress? What's going on? Are you feeling okay? Mm-hmm. You, maybe you should stay home. It's It's been a stressful time. We don't want you to get burnout. But mm-hmm. the people building houses, building real things that we mm-hmm. live in. We don't, we don't worry about to the same extent. We don't think about whether or not they have a retirement plan. We don't think about whether or not they're well and taken care of because there's such a disconnect in my opinion between the everyday worker and the tradesperson, there's a different culture there that i feel like is significantly separated so we we're not able to communicate with them our gratitude when they do hard labor things mm-hmm. um, and then that manifests in no discussions about pension plans no discussion about uh, opportunities to climb up opportunities to become a leader like we don't always view them like that because they're often doing the heavy labor stuff that often we don't want to do
0: yeah, there's definitely like a you know being taken for granted kind of thing of philosophy because you know you move into your house after it's built, right? And you don't see the and again there's this theory behind it all. Um, you know, it's very underappreciated the type of work that these men are are basically killing themselves to you know get there to work twelve hour days, right? And and then very underappreciated in, in a lot of ways. And also again, there, there's just no time to talk about it. Like right? so that's a that's what I realized is that you know because we're on the job we're on the clock we're doing these things um, where do we have a time to sit down and talk right so I'm like okay I, you have to do it on the on the outside of the truck or in the truck or whatever right like on these toolbox things and uh, because if you're in an office, you in this atmosphere. It's designed for you to have meeting space, right? And when you're on site, it's things are going on. You don't feel like you could connect with somebody, right? When there's so many things going on around you, and time of the essence, and things are you know being built, and you know, and there's all these other things. So it's not. Uh, and I can like with certain people, like hey, you got ten minutes to talk, let's chat things up. I know I've had meetings with uh employees and coworkers. I, I typically like to say guys I work with. Um. And then it's where it's like, hey, can we need? Can you meet me here? Let's have a chat. Thirty minutes. Like, let's just see where we're at, right? Like, what your intentions are. Um. But yeah, there's it's it's really undervalued in a lot of ways, and it, and it's we rely on it heavily. Like, okay, you know, say if you know this, the building next to you doesn't get built, like that's huge. That's have a huge impact on the economy on everything, right? And um, and these guys, yeah, are aren't being taught you know like the the what's going to happen next right like after this job like are you investing appropriately right are you taking care of yourself physically emotionally like they're not necessarily things that are talked about but they're starting to i feel and just for our people though in general like we're not like we're not trained to talk about how we feel right you know in most times and like trades is a, is a huge area for uh, the men and in, in First Nations communities because that's basically what we're sort of we're we're used to living with the land, used to using our hands, all that kind of stuff, right? That is natural for us, and so, um, and this is my main focus too with starting this company. I was like, okay, and I, I took a little bit it a little personally because the the men of our communities need to be starting to develop like, you know, more intuition of where they're at in a sense of where they're emotionally, physically, mentally, all those other things, because nobody asks them. Right. And not only that, then they're, they're expected not to share these things in in their in their circle. So um my idea was if I can grab these maybe undervalued men kind of give them an opportunity to better themselves and they take that home with their families right you know to their families like all of a sudden i made a difference in the world all of a sudden i did this i built this i'm getting promoted or i'm doing you know making a difference i'm i'm making an impact all of a sudden they feel better about themselves and they go home and they share that feeling with their family right and all of a sudden their families are feeling better right because these are the men these are the ones supporting their families with whatever occupation most of the time and um i I just feel like if i can invest in you know at this this little pocket this population of the communities it will actually um it'll blossom into bigger things like in a sense like the the health of the community will go up because a lot of these tradesmen are you know obviously like you mentioned have alcohol and drug addiction possibly right and um it's just like go to work then go you know feel miserable at work go back to home you know and and then domestic violence, whatever happens, all those things that go on and like just unhealthy habits of, you know, kind of like survival mode with tactics, right? Um, and so my big idea was that hopefully, you know, it could create an environment where, you know, these, these guys can develop their skills, right? And they actually develop their thinking strategies, right? And all of a sudden start thinking about finances because if you have, so what is the statistic? If you have about 60, if you make $60,000 a year, your life doesn't improve or Whatever. That's pretty much like a safe area for people in Canada or wherever, right?
1: Yeah, your happiness level doesn't increase much beyond that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and sometimes more money actually creates more problems in, in terms of it, it uh depending on where you're at in life, like it, it'll, uh, it exaggerates where you're at. Like say, if you're miserable, it'll make it worse, right? Like, so drug and alcohol come into consideration. You have extra money to spend on those things and it'll make your life worse. But if you're feeling good, you're embracing, you're giving, you're supporting, then yeah, maybe it will actually exaggerate those types of things too. So, you know, and, and so hopefully when somebody gets to that point of their, they're creating more revenue that they're not sabotaging themselves too. Right. So it's like having that balance is that, that, that road to survival in a sense like okay now I'm useful okay now uh I have a direction now I'm making an impact now I'm making more money okay can I manage it is it not going to sabotage me because that one theory is like you know like how do you you know how do you kill an indian or whatever in a population or whatever is like well you just dump a bunch of money which has happened in in a lot of communities across you know other provinces it's like they've they've made tons of you know they've um, been registered a lot of different money, and it just creates gang mentality. It creates more suicidal, you know, statistics, all that stuff, right? So, in terms of like, you can't really solve people's problems by paying them more. It, risked, it really just exaggerates their their underlying issues. So, you're hoping that by the time that they're able to earn, become, you know, comfortable earners, that they can manage it, and they're not going to just kind of harm themselves with it. So, that was always a real kind of challenge for me. I'm like, okay, I've I've brought a guy in. I'm uh, paying him more. But then all of a sudden his life got worse for a second, right? And it was just like, uh oh, I'm supporting the I'm supporting the the problem in some way. So I got really kind of hard on myself for it. I'm like, okay, now I have to take a step back and reevaluate. So it's each employee kind of has their own sort of challenges, right? So you have to really understand and be vocal about it and be like, okay, well, and I have to share this with them. Each of them I was like, I'm not so much um, you know, this, this company is all about you guys. It's all about, you know, what we can do to develop each other's lives. If your quality of life is not getting better working here, then you really don't have, then I really don't feel like you need to be here. Right? And that's the whole, It's the big picture thing. So it's like, so you, you uh, and I realize this now because I jumped from zero to 100 hired like you know 15 to 20 guys and i was like working got all these projects things were going okay then problems came right so then i'm like okay i got to start microing a little some of this stuff and so sort of realizing i was really not focusing on the people too much like the employees i'm like i gotta make sure the guys are strong enough to handle this responsibility right because a lot of them have the skill a lot of them don't know how to manage it right and it's also like if you give them too much pride they'll run away with it and then all of a sudden pride equals Uh, what do you call it? Self-sabotaging sometimes. You know, if you got too much pride, you you will definitely not be, you will not ask questions, you will not share your, you know, um, your your challenges, right? So, and so it's about regulating. It's like you want to instill pride, but in a safe amount, I guess, in certain terms of, um, you know, where they're at, I guess. It's like, you know, some people who are very secure and stable in their lives, they don't, they appreciate compliments, acknowledgements, but it's not something they thrive on right it's not something that they like hopefully i need that or else i'm going like, to feel depressed it's it's like great thanks appreciate the, the handshake and move on right where some of these guys just like they thrive off it and then it was almost like and then it gets in their way it's like oh no like you know so a mistake will just like just totally sabotage their their confidence <laughs> you know <what> i mean <laughs> so they won't they won't mention you know certain things and so i've, I've come into different scenarios right so you know ego is obviously you know for a really sensitive topic for a lot of people right and you know what what are you doing this like pride and ego is, is basically it costs a lot of money in some ways and again we go back to the money thing but I, that's how i have to relate it to it it's like because as soon as you stop asking questions soon students you stop communicating because your pride's keeping you in the, in isolation right or whatever may be then you know things just kind of go sideways right for a lot of reasons for a lot of people right they stop being curious and they start being more fearful Right. And it's like maintaining that right side of the brain, for like curiosity and empathy and all that stuff. Right. And then you have a left brain, it's all like, you know, fear driven stuff. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, keeping people in a safe atmosphere is super good for business and, and super good for, you know, our intentions. Right. Cause I mean, people need to feel good at what they're doing, but also be accountable. Right. Like accountability shouldn't be scary. You know, like I'm, you know, hopefully instilling the desire to, I want to thrive. To, to be corrected in some ways, right? You know what I mean. Like you mentioned earlier, like oh yeah, I made mistakes. I'm like that's that's a great attitude. Like yeah, because we're always gonna make mistakes. Hopefully, right? girls what are we doing? We're just staying in on one sp- place, right? I always feel that way. Like I hope I'm taking making decisions in order to be corrected, right? Because well, I mean, if I'm always just doing the same thing over and over, then it's like not going anywhere. I'm just kind of going in circles, like just completing tasks similarly, right? Like a robot. So yeah. you know, I think being human is always constantly learning and growing and developing. So. So I try to try to say that, with not being too you know grandiose about it to the guys because they're just like, "What are you doing?" Again? He's going on off tangent, right? So it's like little things, little bits at a time, right? Like, yeah. You know, not I can't sit down for three hours and have a you know interview with a lot of the guys, but there is you know there is parts and opportunities each day you can kind of share the little things and help help motivate them and uh, also correct them. It's really hard to correct people sometimes, right? You know, and um, because. You know, as soon as we feel threatened, like our security, our confidence, and all of a sudden we like cave and then we want to give up. Right.
1: No. Especially when there's something there that you can see, like if you make uh, like a, like a birdhouse and it's a bad birdhouse and it's like, nobody can live in this birdhouse. Like there's a, like when a child shows you something and goes like, Hey, what do you think? And you're like, that's great. Like, you don't want to just be like, Oh, well that's not useful. We're not putting that on the fridge. Like you don't say that <laughs> you want to make sure that it's a constructive comment mm-hmm. that you're showing support and that you're also encouraging them to improve and not saying this is perfect because maybe there are areas of improvement that greater why seems to be a challenge that we're not very good at like as a native co-worker i'll work with someone and we'll talk about going to detox or treatment or recovery and we forget to ask the greater why a lot of the time like Mm -hmm. why would you want to be clean why would you want to have a healthy life why would you want to have a stable job like what is all of these little pieces in your life building towards well imagine what you want your house to look like you want to be able to come home have a maybe a long day of work but then your partner your spouse um greets you and says like i'm so grateful you're home we have like a fresh casserole in the oven it'll be ready in about five minutes uh don't stress too much the kids are already plagued. you want to come home to a healthy environment that is the long-term goal you want to be able to make traditions have family recipes at thanksgiving or christmas or um whenever your your celebrations are you want to be able to feel warmth when you come home and and loved and valued we all want that and so going to that greater why it seems like we're not always great at, we're like, we'll go get the treatment, then we'll talk about it. Or yeah. go, go do this, then we'll talk about it. And then you can think about that. And we so often miss out on the fact that these are really people's lives, mm-hmm. that you're, you're having a small piece in improving for the better or for the worse.
0: Yeah, I have a hard time actually setting that boundary. Like how far can I go in getting involved with these guys' lives, right? Because I mean, honestly, I get a little bit codependent with it. I'm like, oh, gosh. So I get disappointed because it's not so much that you cost you know the company a lot of money it's the fact that you kind of made a decision that really harmed yourself yeah. you know what i mean because like you know again that my investment is like i'm really hoping um and i'm really hoping that when we make these decisions to kind of give people opportunities that you know that they take it in with a grain of salt and that um that in the end in the end of the shift that they feel pretty good about it and they're not like okay you know dreading the next day kind of thing right so um And it's about being open, open and honest about you know maybe at the start like my my flaws, shortcomings, those things, right? And so again, when we're correcting people, it's it's good to um, set the table. Right. Like, so, and I always, I always forget this because I get caught. And like you said, the why stuff. And then like, I get caught looking at the day-to-day stuff. I'm like, oh, because shit, shit. it's so easy. You look at this, you know, a wall of photos and then one looks out of place. You're only going to focus on that one. Right. You know, this, and I was like, oh, it looks like a funny photo. It shouldn't be there. You wanna that. You want to pull it off, fix it. Right. That's all you're going to focus on. Um, so, and then uh, my biggest struggle is that i'm like okay every time that i make a correction i have to say two good two good things first right hey hey great thanks for being on time hey uh that's that corner looks really good right like fantastic and then but hey what do you think about this right ask them give them a chance to kind of like evaluate their homework because you get lost in it honestly with anything you do you're writing a book you're spending three or four hours whatever at a time on it and then you just get lost in it and you forget about, what was I doing again, right? And then all of a sudden, like, the quality kind of goes down because you're just kind of entrenched. It's like you're in the eye of the storm, right? And so, all of a sudden, all these things are going on around you. Say, you know, you're painting a wall three hours at a time. You, you know, miss a corner because, like, you're just going on and on and on, right? So, and then, th- so there's bound to be corrections with things. And there's just, and it, it's, helped, uh, it's helped to to have an outside perspective with it, right? Like, somebody just, they call them... Um, uh, quality control right I mean so you have a supervisor manager whoever come in it's like oh hey man did you miss that yeah okay sweet thanks fix it or whatever I'll fix it some of the other right so and again it's just like incrementally getting better and I think that's a it's a really solid philosophy for life I mean you're just like incrementally getting better each day like if you wake up you know with the curiosity like hey i wonder what i'm going to learn today hey i wonder what's going to challenge me today you know like this this whole even the setup here this podcast it was like oh this is kind of really making me a little nervous but it's it's going to be fun right Mm -hmm. look at it as curiosity fun and excitement right and that will help ease the anxiety and the tension it's like you know whatever happens happens whatever i say i said and nothing's going to be perfect and on to the next one right like those little things and You know, because I I really, you know, admire when you set set this thing up, like uh, you started a hundred odd people ago, right? And it was just like, you know, one person at a time and it'll take off when it takes off. And, And so, and it did, and people recognize you and understand the work that you're doing. Like, it's just underlying commitment and consistency to the bigger picture, yeah. right? Like you said, find that why. I like that like whole Simon Sinek kind of book that he wrote on it, right? Right. And, you know, another great person to kind of like just take all this information from because he's interviewed and talked to millions of like well, hundreds of thousands of people kind of thing, right? Have been a, have access to people is huge. And I realized like when I started the whole thing, I was like, I'm going to need time to, do, to get information together, right? It's not like I came into this thing, I had an idea, right, I want to create this thing, I just want to see what happens, I need the information, I need the data, I need, and that's why, again, the time cards thing was important to me, because I wanted to see where everybody's level was at, reading, writing, uh, accountability, all these different things, like, um, I had all these uh, assumptions from just uh, developing um, from different books and stuff like that, and and then I had, you know, these philosophies, but I didn't put them into practice, right, because, I mean, I spent some time in politics, and I was just like, well, I was, I was preaching all these suggestions, like, right, to the to the table and all that and, and in other terms it wasn't really going because they didn't have any factual evidence on it right it was just all theories and so when I started this company I was like well let's put these theories to the test Let's uh, let's try to create this environment let's try to create dialogue back and forth because any good decision is created with tons of dialogue right like the more people have input the better it is it's not necessarily right or wrong it's just like it's the balance of input right? Like, so, you know, say, if you're like, hey, everybody decides, votes, should we drive on the left side of the road? Or the right? You know, either side doesn't matter, right? Like, it's a, you could drive on the left or the right, it's just what's right is the whoever, whatever we vote on, right? Like, the democracy fan- mentality, right? So, um, I like the fact that people, the more people that have weigh-in on a subject, you know, the more accurate it is, obviously, right? So, um, and I, I have to remember that, too, even just talking about it, because I'm not at each project that I have I could have five or six projects going on at the same time and I just I take my best intuition from where I'm at right and and then I have to get the guys together and talk about it and like I hope you guys are talking about the problems and the solutions right and then you know have have people just conversely because you know the more people that weigh in on a subject the better right because we all have our own life experiences our own work experiences all these different things these problem solving tactics share those Right. And then so I, I, have always really recognized the fact that I need help consciously to make these things happen. Right. I can't do everything. I don't have all the answers. Um, again, I, I just have hopefully, uh, you know, some skill at delegating the responsibilities to other people, right? Having that intuition, uh, recognizing, you know, what people need and actually asking the right questions. Huge thing. You're learning how to ask the right questions. Right. And when you're really good at it, obviously, you kind of, you know, you hit things up right, right where they're supposed to be focused on. And then, uh, uh, and again, it's, it's all just, I knew I came into this not taking it personally, right? And going into it with that why, like you said, um, staying focused on the vision is super hard because you get entrenched in numbers and, you know, statistics. You get, you know, missed days or whatever where people, certain things come in your way and then you forget, what did I start at this for? What was I doing again, right? Keeping that why and focus front center stage, right? And then all of a sudden your, your decision-making gets a lot better. But as soon as you start looking at all the negatives, you kind of feel like you have to fix them. And it's like a lot of it kind of oddly, if you have the right mindset, just kind of takes care of itself in some ways, right? Like if you stay positive, because um, I, I, I've, I've made mistakes, tons of mistakes, like in, in ways that I've kind of um, – strategize how to correct things right to improve quality i'm like okay do i do what i was taught or do i still practice my own philosophy so honestly i've had mixed results like i don't like to be that sort of dictator sort of these things this is the rules and i don't want to have to create contracts and policies and all these stuff as much as I, i i feel necessary i feel like you know being being respectful and understanding goes a long way right and there is there does need to be defined to find solutions for certain areas um in your in your business right so people will obviously rely on policy but i think you could really run people ragged with policy right and all of a sudden they're afraid to move they're afraid to really offer suggestions they think policies are laws and they're just suggestions and guidelines right and so again i so i've tried to i've had a really free spirited way of developing it and now we're starting to step into different roads. like okay well you guys know what the rules are. You know what the consequences are. You guys babysit yourself. You know what I mean? Like, hold yourself accountable to these things that we've all agreed upon. You've signed the contract. You know what the you know the guidelines are. You, you know, if you're sort of being, you know, because, again, you, as you mentioned, dealing with guys that, you know, are all different areas of life. Some guys, you know, maybe maybe have um, different challenges, right? Like, some people, you know, a lot of them don't really drink that much. But some of them do, and I, I don't, I don't discuss. I don't disregard it. It's like, yeah, you know, responsibly, whatever, if we can make it to work, you have things you have to attain for. I, I don't, I don't criticize it, whatever. I've had my history with it. And I just, I really, I want to make sure that you guys are un- aware of what the rules are because I know that if I enable it, enable those behaviors, it's not really getting them anywhere too, right? And so, but also I have to remember to kind of have empathy, use the right side of my brain, curiosity. Those are the, those are the biggest things when coming into disciplinary actions. I'm like, you know like understanding why your workers are doing these things right like i've had scenarios where i've had vehicles impounded i've had you know different things and you know careless people you know things breaking down losing stuff like that like things that cost a lot of money and i was just like wasn't so concerned about the money like i mentioned it was just like well i wonder what's going on right i should check in and that's that is you know you try to take as much ownership as you possibly can in those situations like okay I wasn't checking in with this guy. I felt like something was going wrong, but I kind of ignored it, right? So, I mean, and that's where that's where you can kind of start, like, okay, opportunity to change my actions, right? What do I have control over? Myself, right? I don't have control of much else other than, you know, the situation that I'm in, right? So, you know, again, th- those checkpoints are really important for me to kind of really reevaluate and strategize how to communicate better. Because, yeah. you know, everything's communication when it comes down to you know, trying to get a job done, getting a point across, in in terms of okay, well, who, who has you know who's got the most valuable input in this point, right? But also like you know, how is everybody feeling? Because you're always thinking about morale. You're thinking about you know security. You're thinking about okay. Because I I've been there. I've been I've had employers that look at me like and you know, like I can tell when you're having a bad day, like a mile away across the site, kind of thing, right? And. They've had given me sp- like time to breathe, right? Like when I made a decision to just like quit drinking altogether and like they're like, okay, there's gonna be tough days, and right, and that's when things really changed for me. And then I was like, yeah, and I appreciated those, right? Having, you know, a mentor that was like, okay, do it, take your time. I know we got millions of dollars of machines we're roaming around here, but you know, go ahead, take your time, go do your thing, right? Reevaluate and come back. That was huge, right? So I want to also come to that approach too. Like but it's hard, because uh, I think my biggest, you know, I guess if I was going to define my job, it's like, I have to figure out what everybody wants without them telling me, right? And a lot of the time, right? And reading those cues, really understanding what they're where they're coming from, and wondering why they're doing the things they do, right? Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's, it's like, are you enjoying yourself? If people aren't enjoying themselves, and they're not going to stick around, yeah. right? Or they're not going to really apply themselves, right? Or they're going to get resentful, and I gotta remember that too. I'm like, okay, well I can't really over overwhelm certain people either, right? Some people like a challenge, but some people like no, I just like to kinda of plug in, plug out kind of thing. Right? Those types of things. But
1: Yeah, the big comment that you just made is it's it's like so many organizations have endless amounts of policies. But policies should be embodied by someone. And it sounds like they're embodied by you. Like, you have to act them out in order for them to be true. Like, how many times do people have on their website, like, our mission statement, our values, our... And then you read it and you kind of go, uh-huh, like, mm-hmm. sure. Like, because everybody puts integrity, community, uh, like, honest, like, all these things. And it's like, who in the company embodies that. And that's supposed to be the CEO, the founder, the creator. They're supposed to embody it. And then it makes sense to people because then they see it and they go, that's why that's there. But so many times we put in what we think is correct. What somebody in a book told us
0: Mm -hmm.
1: without understanding like the circumstances in which this would be applied and in which this would be useful to somebody to actually understand. And so often we are, in our own world, we don't appreciate the the trials and tribulations people go through, and we've developed this culture of, like, keep home life problems at home, yeah. and put on your work hat, and particularly with Indigenous communities, we know that that's an extra challenge because the challenges are often far greater. Like as a court worker, I get to see domestic violence charges, um, sexual assault charges, different problems than I see from other community members. And there's there's no comparison that the, the drug crimes are often perpetrated by non-Indigenous people. But the the challenges within Indigenous communities is like these people go home at the end of the day to the people that they hurt to the community that they hurt mm-hmm. and mending these relationships the, the the topic of reconciliation is such a challenge because so many people are at different stages in that conversation some aren't even ready for that topic to come up yet because they're still so entrenched in like negativity and I try and explain to people like you think of somebody who attended Indian residential school and was given all the worst tools on how to deal with problems and then they had children and they passed on all their terrible tools to their children and then now we have uh, people like you and I who are like likely that third generation of people who are now removed from the trauma but we still see like I don't have family recipes. We don't have family traditions we've practiced for 60 years, 70 years, where it's just every year we do these type of potatoes, this type of thing, and... That means a lot to people like um, a lot of people joke about like pumpkin spice lattes, but that becomes a cultural tradition mm. that everybody recognizes and they go fall this and that means something to us. There's a reason people take photos of it and are proud of it. There's a reason people get excited about their Christmas trees. It's because these are the times where the stress of life, the problems in the world, uh, all those things fade away and it it's What's at home? It's where you're loved and valued. It's where that enjoyment comes in, where those other problems can fade away. And for so many people, it's like you go home and you haven't learned how to greet your wife at the end of the day. You don't know how to do that because some people come home and they their boss just got mad at them and then they come home and they take that out on their wife and they go, oh, why isn't this room clean? Why isn't that like this? And Mm -hmm. then it's like, okay, this isn't fruitful. Like this is pushing you both in the wrong direction because her response is going to be, well, you did this wrong and why didn't you do that? And why isn't the car repaired or whatever the problems are? Now you're just in a fight and your bad day at work just manifested itself at home. Like the tools of Mm -hmm. how to come home, how to show the person you love that you love them is so important because the one thing I've learned a lot through this is like I take on different levels of stress and problems and try and solve things the the thing I hate the most is the person who often gets the worst brunt of my stupidity my short-sighted comment is the person who's the most supportive of me the person who's there at 11 o'clock at night when I'm still editing a podcast or something and then I say something sassy or rude to her and she's like Hey, I've been here. I've been here the whole time trying to support you. And what, now I get this? And it's like, Mm -hmm. that's not fair. But that's so often the case for people.
0: Yeah, actually, that kind of brings up another point. I was, um, you know, and that's the idea with, like I kind of hope that I offer something to these guys that they can, you know, have, have a good feeling about what they've done throughout the day. And I've had, you know, situations where some, some people aren't, right? They're kind of faking it till they make it, and, and, they, and honestly, it's like it's not worth living dishonest. You want to be, you want to move ahead in the world. Honest, like, honesty is your main thing, right? And so, uh, and it's it's not so easy to do some of the times, right? Like you kind of like you know, am I am I able to take criticism today? Am I able to um, you know accept my. F- you know my my failures with a you know with a, the with a strong heart kind of thing and um and and it's not nothing's ever completely failed and that's what I love about construction like and I said it to the guys I'm like you know I say this I'm like okay no you no matter what happens like if this if we do good or not we could redo it like that, that's the industry we're in right like we can just take it down and redo it again like no problem and I've had to do that like in several projects and um I'm hoping that some people had like the understanding I'm like yeah I'm like don't worry no at no cost to you will this ever be like. I have these guys, they're going to do this project. If it doesn't work, we'll redo it free of charge, right? Like that's the idea. So, you know, my risk is, it's always been my risk on everything that I've tried because this is technically my experiment, right? Like, so I'm like, I'm in, you know, this is something that I'm like just kind of trying, which I think all of us, like yourself, like you try these things and you just, you hope it works out. And, you know, you learn along the way, but that determination to say, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going like you know no matter if i hire fire these people or whatever goes on if they leave one thing is i don't chase guys too much i try to understand them but sometimes people just decide that you know it's not good for them and it's like okay that's good that's your decision i hope this was a stepping stone um to better things right and so and that's what i think too is everything what in this industry is repairable right and, and to a certain extent and it just costs money, right? They're, they're, they're objects, they're houses, they're these things. If you do, we do a window and it leaks, we just take it out and redo it again. Like, that's beautiful about it, right? It's like, it's at no real inconvenience to anybody else, but just it costs money. That's it, right? And so, but I, I always feel like, you know, our, our failures have taught us the biggest lessons. right? And that's the commonality between, you know, in any in, in industry, right? Like, you learn significantly more from your failures than you do with your successes, right? It's like, hey, if I go and I hire three guys to go build a house and then it's done in three months, I'm like, and I didn't hear anything about it. Like, I would learn nothing. Like, oh, I just know that those three guys can build a house. But, you know, if I hire three guys to go side a house and it goes sideways, like, I'm like, wow. And all of a sudden, I have to learn where all these mistakes went. So then all of a sudden, I've accumulated all this information. And again, I talked to the guys too. I'm like, wow, I just know a lot more. You know, that was a big, expensive mistake, but I've gained a crap ton of knowledge, <laughs> you know, <laughs> about it. Right. So uh, I don't ever waste a tragedy, you know, in a lot of ways. And I think that's really huge because, um, and it's good energy, right? Like, oh, because obviously, if things are going exactly the way that you predicted, you're never really going to challenge yourself. You're like, oh, this is today went exactly the way I anticipated. So, and it's like, if life went exactly the way you wanted it all the time, I mean, what's the point? Right? And it's like, so you kind of, you everybody loves a story, and so I realized too, is like, you know, it's like you want to be part of a story, right? You're this journey that you're doing. And so, I mean, I'm hoping that you know, whatever if this is a chapter in guys' life, or if it's the center, you know, focal point of their lives, fantastic, right? um you know to be a part of it like you said a small part of like a bigger picture and because work is important like i think about it like i i grew up with the work ethic you know my from my dad and my mom it was like work 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 right like that's how i impressed my dad it's like that i could work really hard that i could lift things like, do this right And the schooling thing didn't really impress him whatsoever right because it was I a knack for schooling and stuff but um you know in soccer and stuff those those things it was the old school mentality right like oh because he was a roofer and Um, for a number of years and different things he was a logger as well and um and and all that so it was it was that was how i would impress him right if i could work 10 hours that day lifting and like just sweating my you know my ass off really it was like that was you know that was how you got you know established pride from your father in that way right so i mean the the whole education thing when i told him i was like oh i would like to go to med school one day Eh, he's like you know the first thing was like I don't need a doctor, I need a lawyer, <laughs> you know what I mean, because he's, he's dealing with uh, um, certain charges at the time, or whatever it was, right, you know, his prohibitions and all that, right, And think he was a pretty avid drinker, but, um, so a lot of that also, really, the kind of the deeper meaning of it all is, like, I know that, you know, it, it hits home pretty close, because, you know, my dad, I feel, was probably, like, always in that mode of really kind of doing these occupations and didn't feel fulfilled for particularly. It wasn't until he started doing his own thing. Like fishing was his biggest thing, right? He felt like he was in control out there and he was, he was good. Um, and all of this stuff. And it was kind of like, it also was mixed with the partying kind of thing too. And, um, but you know, it's just, you find these, you want to give people opportunities to feel impactful. You want them to express themselves in ways. And I I like to kind of, I like guys that, you know, don't say no. You know what I mean? They're like, you know, I hire guys on, say, as a framer, but then I'm going to ask them to do some drywall or something. And I'm like, I, I don't do that much. I'm a framer. I'm like Is that all? You know, not to undermine framers. are very, very complicated. You but know.
1: open-minded.
0: Yeah, you know, like how about, how about, how about we are builders, right? You know, you and that's why I don't actually give titles to my guys. I just call them tradesmen. Because like, you're probably going to do tons of different things because that's what we have the capacity to. So when I strategically hire people, it's like, okay, you know this. You're a plumber. You're a framer. You're this. Put them all together. You guys are home builders now. Right? You know what I mean? So you can't put the combination of people together, right? And you're no longer just one thing. You're three things, right? Yeah. Or whatever, four things, whatever it is. Um, so, but also, too, it's like you have to realize you have to create uh, an area where they can communicate amongst each other. Titles separate people. So as soon as you say that one of them, hey, the framers, the, the, the foreman, then the other guys won't speak. Right? So then it's like, no, you guys. And this is where you have to, divid- you know, kind of tear down the hierarchy. It's like, okay, well, nobody's got a title here. You just have people that talk amongst each other these you know certain people have responsibilities and you know um we all have we're not nobody's higher or lower than each other we just have different jobs you know it's hard to really kind of i always have to repeat that i'm like uh i'm you know i'm not your boss or whatever I, i i'm just i just have different responsibilities than you right like we're all trying to do the same thing we're just all necessary in different ways right um but again when you were talking about um being that hub of uh of of your vision or your philosophy or whatever the mission statement um it's really hard to show that to uh a crew guys that maybe only see you a few times a day or whatever right because you if you have multiple crews and sites everywhere you can't really be there alongside them doing the work all the time right there's so much going on and there's other things and I have to manage and I have to go back to the office and you know under you know work with admin team different things right and there's payroll every two weeks and there's all these different things going on you're kind of just putting out fire so and they don't see that. So it's, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that I don't, and I was hoping to be able to to develop the systems, you know, f- long enough where that I could eventually just kind of be able to go there and spend half a day going doing the work with the guys, you know, go work inside the house or go frame. You know, I, I like doing those things, right? And that's what we, we kind of aspire to do is, like, I enjoy it. It's like, you, you know, say if, you know, w- whatever hobby you have, if you build a dog house, you just kind of get lost in it. You know, you, you're just sit there and you're building this thing. You're creating something out of nothing and in a lot of ways right and that's the that's the kick that guys get in this industry it's like i just made this ugly thing turn into something really nice and you know you get you feel very rewarding after right and they, they hold on to that and they go on to the next and um you know the exchange for me and them right now is just mostly finances right like i you know i pay them to do a job and you know, I think you have to really instill this belief in you guys is to say, like, no, well, the exchange is then giving you an opportunity to express yourself, right? And giving you an opportunity to push yourself, challenge yourself, right? And, you know, and then, yeah, I got to organize the fleet of vehicles. I got to organize all the finances and management and all that other stuff. And then, you know, the interviews and meetings with different, you know, clients. But, you know, it's like when you're there at work, you get to do what you like doing. And I hope that's kind of what I try to pass on. I'm like, just, I hope you like what you're doing. Because then, like, I don't have to watch over you. I have to check if you're taking breaks regularly or whatever, right? It's like, you know, it's like the work will take care of itself, right? You instill that desire and that passion for the work. Then it's just like you just kind of, like, hands off, you know, and you just like kind of know that it's just going to go the way it is and things are going to get done because I, uh, you know, I, I guess I have a lot of faith in it, right? Because, you know, over time, you know, what do you got? You separate the wheat from the chaff kind of thing, like the cream rise above or whatever that whole saying goes. Yeah. Um, and it's happened, you know, several times I'm like, okay, well, th- you know, things are going well here. I don't, you know, and I sell them as like, if you don't see me, that means things are going well, <laughs> you know what I mean? In some ways. And, and I do hope that I can show up a little bit more. Cause sometimes like if I'm driving to like Scalettes or Swally, like, and then I got to go to Surrey, it's like, e- you know, w- within a day of taking two trips, you're like, okay, I can only got you know, a certain amount of time to really acknowledge and kind of sit there and appreciate the guys right? in several crews. And you always trying to mm. remember like where you've spent your time. Like, Oh, I haven't checked in with Frank in a long time. I should go check him out. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like make sure he's still kind of on a good chapter, right? Or else he could be kind of mustering around with something and not really saying anything. Right. So, um,
1: Yeah, that investment in people, that kind of mindset. I was just listening to an interview with uh, Lex Friedman and uh, a CIA, um, past CIA operative. Chris Voss. No, um, Robert something, I think. Um, But he was basically talking about the idea that great leaders uh, don't have to say a lot. A lot of it becomes a myth, uh, like a story that that, that other people tell, um, an understanding of like, do you know how hard that person works? And you don't answer those questions. How hard do you work? How much time do you put in? How many fires do you put out? It becomes with your inner echelon of people you speak with daily, they give some inkling over time to the staff. Of how much you're doing. And then it becomes like a philosophy. Like we don't know how hard he's working. But when you're constantly putting out. That that's your mission. That's your value. Other people catch wind of it. And then it becomes like a like say one of your managers goes like oh like um, Matt's not going to like it if you're you're doing that like um, it becomes something you don't even have to say you don't even have to remind anyone but over time people start to understand that this is what is valued most in this organization that the people who end up being the managers are the people exactly who fit your value statements the things you want to bring about and it takes time and it takes small conversations you'll never be a part of but that's what starts to grow is is whispers of like oh why do you think he moved up well he was really good to this person and he always cared about the staff and then and then they go oh that's what's valued here it's not always mm-hmm. through uh, big speeches to fifty people big conferences it's often what the what the underlying implied understanding is that you're selecting these people and why and then when those whys get out to people that's where they go hmm this is maybe where I want to go this is how I want to approach it then because this is what's being valued the challenge other organizations have is there is no why. So it's like, oh, you do the work as fast as you can. So those are the people who climb up. And then when that becomes a culture and you know you're never going to be the fastest person, then what what the hell am I doing here? Why am I going to care what anybody thinks? And so I think that develops over time, but it's still through the decisions you make of who you support, who you invest more in. Why is this person getting more support? Well, they're trying really hard and they just fell down and and he wants to see them develop. Like all of that is going to happen I think over time.
0: Yeah, honestly, because I know now, like, I only got, you know, if the company gets bigger, like I mentioned, if, it, you know, I've had, um, you know, I think the most 21 or 22 guys on, on payroll at one time, and that was just way too much, just at where we were at with the projects that we had going on. Um but I mean, now it's just like, okay, before I get to, if, if it goes to that again, and I'm not too sure what direction I want to go in, depending on the amount of work that comes at us, uh, that I have to be, prepare my managers again. Like you said, the project manager is like, okay, you know what the target is, right? You know, and this is how we implemented, right? Communicate with me because I only have time to talk to maybe three of these guys per day, right? Or else I'm like, going oh, each guy, da, 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 right? So, and it's like, you have to kind of echo what the idea is here. And I think a lot of them get it. And I really wanted to stay on the positive of things because nobody likes because you know i grew up as an anxious person kind of thing right nobody likes to work in fear right and that's a really kind of unproductive tactic to do to motivate people like hey you know you rather work this hard or you're gonna get fired like that's like how i'm doing this out of like you know like fear based you know energy and it's not great when you're kind of doing enough you know self-propelled motivated sort of like um high purposeful you know energy and that that's great that just takes care of itself it pumps the tires constantly You know, it keeps the wheels turning and, you know, I, I think it's like everybody's got the ability to do it. But they also, again, it it is up to the kind of the manners of the people just above and kind of checking in and making sure they're creating a good, safe atmosphere and, you know, and keeping the dialogue open and stuff like that. Like, hey, what do you think? Like, your opinions matter. You know, you're, you're, because I'm here setting up the job or whatever but you're the one actually doing the work what do you see right i need that information right like what well, you know because again what what we developed in this company was is more of like i it was a research thing like i want to know what's going on with these houses like you know what do you guys find like because there's no real like uh person that's really being the the voice of hey i just renovated 40 houses you know let's say 10 houses or whatever these were all the issue, right? And so like, let's, let's kind of like narrow it down and I can like, let's, let's figure out ways to actually, you know, let's right, instead of just throwing a bunch of money at it. Let's plan for the future, right? Let's yeah. actually kind of make sure these, these problems don't happen again. And you know, there's, there's not enough research around it. Like for contractors to come in, do the work, collect the paycheck and leave. It's like, no, I want to stay here, right? I want to kind of build these houses. I want to stay and make sure what's going on. And there was so many interesting things that happened throughout this past year. A lot of different, um, like mental, uh, benefits of actually kind of so i did siding to this one house and right away the 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 family started uh so it was like a 40 year old house and it was wood paneling all that stuff it was really like an old color paint was coming off i redid the whole siding to vinyl they started planting a garden out front right little things like that and you know and all of a sudden they they started feeling you they looked a little better right they you know they had a little skip in their step and they, they you know probably started taking a little more and you know they, these are the benefits of doing this work is that you know fam- native first nations families are just like well i've lived in this house my whole life i've never seen it look so nice all of a sudden start treating people a little better like and their addictions will sort of go down a little bit right they started like you know taking more pride in their houses right and they busy themselves with the garden instead of going to you know say the liquor store or whatever right like they're just they find little things to like now they're focused on upkeeping this thing that they actually appreciate um right and then so there's these little side benefits of doing this work right and you get to see in little rewards and I, I always say that to the guys too is like you know what I, I you know especially my you know my stint in politics too is like i i told the you know the portfolios and stuff like that when i was in meetings i'm like i was like these are kind of very kind of risky ideas but I'll take the hit, right? You know what I mean. If I'm going to talk to the directors, like, yeah, it's a good decision, go with it. And if they don't like it, I'll take the hit, right? I'll take it from the from the community, whatever. But I think it's a good risk, right? And that's what you're doing when you're making decisions. So,
1: why see, did why did you leave? Um, so so was, I think it's inspiring.
0: Yeah. So I mean, that was not to criticize politics, but it was it was a, it was a lo- it was consuming a lot of my time. And it didn't seem like it was moving fast enough for me at the, you know, because, you know, my philosophy in it, okay, so you have, say, eight people at a table, right, and they all have different ideas. And, it, and that's the difference between First Nations and, and say, um, you know, Western culture is that, you know, you have parties, right, you know, liberal, and I'm not an expert in political science or anything, but... Um, you know, you have basically people that are elected in and they all have the same rough ideas, right? Conservative, liberal, like they're all kind of the same. But you have a poly, you know, a table of First Nations and guess what? You have liberals, conservatives, they all have different ideas and they sit at the same table. So guess what? Coming to a decision is really tough. Yeah. You know what I mean? So not, typically when like several people disagree, nothing gets done. You know what I mean? So you don't really come to an accurate conclusion. I think it's, which is nice. Like I said, that dialogue creates a lot of, um, opportunities, but also too, is like, um, I just, I felt like the amount of time I was spending in meetings and talking, and doing this other stuff and the, the impractical hands-on work that I was doing wasn't, you know, wasn't there. So I'm like, you know what? Uh, and I wanted to just take, there was about 20 houses that were vacant, in so I was like, I want to be the one that kind of takes hold of that. I want to see what these issues are. I don't want this to happen again. Right. So, and then I was like, well, it was kind of an either or, um, I felt my work with my company was being more impactful than, you know, say my work at a table of like eight. Right. So, um. And and it was like I had to make a decision. I'm like, okay, I think if I stay in politics, my company will fail, and you know, and then I'll be resentful this way. And so I had to like, and also too, it was like you you can't be in politics and serve your community, you know, as a contractor either. So there wasn't there was very many reasons, I guess, in in terms is because I, I I think I learned what I learned there, and I realized how long it was going to take to make change. I just understood the process. I was like, okay, this is actually really. Lengthy process to make anything happen because now you are you have this title and you can't be an individual, you know. You are now a political figure and now you can't actually just do things on your own, you actually have to have people agree with it before you move. So, I was very restricted, you know, political restriction. And also, there's a lot of you know, political gridlock in certain areas. But I had an idea, and I was like, okay, well, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna create a company, I'm I'm gonna hire my own guys. Um, I'm going to create my own revenue and I'm going to just do projects myself. And, you know, hey, go problem solve. Now I don't have to wait a month for other people to agree with me or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, um, you know, I get, you know, I create my own revenue. I can start projects. I can build a playground if I want. I could just do all these things if I have my own revenue. And I was like, okay, great. And so, I saw it because it's like making money has never been you know, is, is this a challenge of almost anything? And and again, when we're talking about money, it takes a lot of agreements, right? Like if we're talking about government funded budgets and stuff like that, it's like, you know, everybody has to be on board and people get really like, kind of like they whip out the, the, the magnifying glass every time things got to be right and check before they sign any checks, right? And so I'm like, if I create a company that's actually beneficial to the community and can create revenue, I could reinvest the revenue into the community and it just and it turns itself and it keeps propelling right and i don't have to ask eight or nine people like if they agree with me or not
1: can you describe that more in detail that reinvestment <laughs> Again, uh, it seems like a lot of money leaves Indigenous communities when we talk about housing specifically. Hiring some third-party organization from another area to come in, build our houses, they take the money, and then hypothetically they spend that in their community, whether it's like a promontory or a yarrow or some other community other than ours. Um, Keeping it within the community seems like an ethic of yours, and I'm just curious about that.
0: Yeah, and I think it kind of actually goes... Um, even more involved even the hiring in the communities is a big one too because I mean at least within our people, and I'm not going to say that I hire all First Nations. I have a couple of non-First Nations, right, and that they're friends of friends. And I'm like, okay, I'll give them an the opportunity, right? Because I obviously need workers like anybody else, and so you know you have to find a balance. So my idea was, um, and again, my one of my friends said, "You like to support locally." I was like, no, I like to invest within my community as much as I possibly can, and so. But it's really hard to do work in your own in your own air in your own circle. So um, found ch- found that out the hard way, but. Um, you know, it'll get there, I have to build strengths in different ways and ties and belief and trust because, you know, working for your own community is really hard, especially because you live there and everybody watches you and these are your family, these are your friends, right? And the the word gets back to you constantly, right? I can imagine that, you know, the the things, the concerns that happen in other communities like that I do work in, I just don't hear it, right? Because they're all over there, right? Like, and I'm in Seabird and, right? And so, like, they probably like, oh, you know, Creek Cedar's coming and they took a little bit longer on this one or, you know, what's this? And I just don't hear the grievances. So, then I'm going off my way and you know work that's just part of the job right we have to deal with people and per- their perspectives right so um but i mean again i i always say you know like i i want You know, I guess when when I seen all the numbers come in and how much that we needed the cost to fix these houses and like, you know, it would be really beneficial if that money stayed here. So I was like, if I start my company, hire, you know, and this was a story of mine with one of the guys that I originally hired, you know, he hadn't had to work in several months and everything. And he'd applied for our community work, but it was never an opportunity for him. I hired him. Boom. He was killing it. And then I started paying him more. And then, you know, and then he was actually in the rears with housing, stuff like that too. So. Uh, the projects that I was getting funding from the band, I would paying my workers and then they're paying the housing, right? They're paying their debts off to the band. So it's almost like, you know, boom, here, take this money, give to him. He's going and giving it back to housing. So it's just like this, but again, all this work got done in the meantime. So again, that's investing internally. And, and that's what I kind of thought too. And it's like, I had an issue with that. Like, okay, say the government gives us a million dollars to fix all these houses, right? And then it's like, okay, and then we what we sit on it, have meetings about it. Go and hire this, you know, we, we get three people to quote on it. And, and then we hire the cheapest one, I guess, right? That's typically how things would work. And and then all of a sudden he takes that, does the work, whatever, how, whatever the quality is. We have no way of tracking it really, um, other than having an inspector in. He takes that, you know, $500,000, goes, and then we don't ever see it again, right? So I kind of had an issue with that. Not, not an issue, but I mean, it was just like, it seems like, you know, hey, how about you You know, direct it towards, you know, we keep it here. I pay my guys. I keep the revenue, I reinvest it in the community, I do kind of like projects, right, you know, and then guess what, we use that money three times, right? you know what I mean, it's like it stays here, and then all of a sudden it circulates back to the band somehow, the people, right, and then, it, you know, and that's how you, that's how you create, you know, a strong economy within your community, it's like you, you take all this government funding, and it stays here, you know what I mean, and it circulates, and people start up their own businesses, and we start buying from them, and it's just like this big ongoing, like this money just kind keeps bouncing around and then government gives another grant to fix more house and the same thing. And then you have this big mountain of like, you know, this big economy on Seabird or wherever, what community you're on. Right. Or even if it's, you know, First Nations and other communities, I don't mind, right? Like, but I think we've always been stuck in the cycle where all these government, you know, funding comes in and just leaves. And it's like just constantly pumping money into this community. It just leaves, right? And then we hire, you know, all that other stuff. So I, I just, don't
1: understand. I, you have this mindset that mm-hmm. seems logical, reasonable. It all makes sense. I definitely agree with you. Mm-hmm. And yet I never hear it. I never, I completely agree with you. Mm -hmm. I just never hear this mindset of trying to grow indigenous economies in this way. Like just the simple things you've just said. I just don't hear it Mm -hmm. very often. And it seems so reasonable and logical. And, um, I'm grateful that people like you are doing this work.
0: Yeah. I think because, well, I kind of fit into a, a fairly unique category because, um, not a whole lot of contractors, I guess, would say would, would take, see the numbers and, you know, and are in the contractor field and all this other stuff, right? And again, I've always had this sort of strong intuition of finances and, and sense of, i've always been curious about it right like where does money come from how is it spent where does it go so even my time on you know on council and stuff like that, i was very invo- interested in hey what's our audit look like what are the details can i talk with finance i wasn't on the portfolio i kind of wish I was because i had a lot of questions like where's our money moving because um i constantly that's a big part of being you know a business owner you have to be tracking everything and that's a big uh, uh statements say if you can't measure it, you can't manage it right so measuring all these things is is quite important right so you um and and again it's like you know where, where's the where's what are we spending money on, right? Like, where can we save this and that, and where could we reinvest? And people are confused about assets and liabilities constantly, right? So, you know, they say, you know, oh, these, these houses are our biggest asset. They're not, they're our biggest liability, because guess what, we keep fixing them, move people in, they keep depreciating, we keep fixing, they're their biggest liabilities we have, 200 houses, and they just keep, we keep repairing them, keep spending more and more money on it, money that we could be focused on developing more mental strategies to kind of increase the quality of their lives, and so, and again, and these things have been talked about. It's just no real. No one was able to implement. Like there has been construction crews, um, and I think this idea has been practiced a little bit. But again, that was years ago, and you know, people don't have the information we have now. Like you know, our generation, we are super fortunate because we have basically everything at our fingertips, right? right. We you know in our in our pocket, we can Google anything, we can YouTube anything, pretty much. And you know, and that's that's the the fortunate thing, and we and. People like yourself, they just take advantage. Of it. like, yeah, boom. Why? Why would I not start a podcast? Like, I, I could learn how to do it online or whatever. I could yeah. actually just email somebody and they'll tell me how. Or you know, all these things, right? Like, it's just you know, we're so fortunate with information these days, right? And I mean, and that's that's my thing is that you know, I don't have a too strong of an educational background. I didn't finish my science degree, but I was like, I was in it, and I was like, well, I think I'm more of a practical learner anyway. Like, you know, and I've taken a lot of risk, and that costs money, but. Um, I think it's just like, I, I, more or less, I still have that sort of like that research mentality. I still think let's see if this works. Right. And then I get a thrill out of it. And it's going it gives like, it's kind of fun. Like, I have an idea. Let's see if it works. Right. And then let's learn along the way. You know, I learn a lot, just kind of trial and error. Right. And then, so, um, if this is something that you know most people will buy into, and I think they do, I've had several communities that really like the idea, um, you know, and I have to explain to them, you know, I'll have conversations like this a little bit short and sweet, ten minutes or whatever, what I'm trying to do, and my my ideas that I want to keep, you know, but it, it takes it takes tolerance too. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like again, I, uh, what I'm trying to invent per se is is going to be a lot of it's going to take a lot of patience and empathy from from other communities too. Because, while I'm investing in a, in a market that, you um, know, in a, in a group of fellas that really are still trying to find themselves too. Right? I mean, if I if I wanted it to be easy, I would put an ad out on Craigslist, Facebook, whatever. You know, qualified, you know, framers, technicians, or whatever plumbers. But that's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in the First Nations developing their skills, right? So there's going to be a lot of, like, kind of ups and downs along the way, right? So my my idea, so I'm getting there. So I knew the first thing I had to do was build capacity with my guys, right? Get a systems in place, you know, get their confidence up, get vehicles on the road, get tools all together, right? And then all of a sudden after, say, the first year, which we are now in, I have a crew of guys that can do the work aff- effectively, right? And so now I could actually, you know, um, but I, but it wasn't without taking risk right it wasn't without people investing in my vision and being kind of patient with me because i was still learning these things how to how to be a manager how to be you know um you know a positive influence on these guys um and how how to develop their skills too and like and again it, it was leaning on each other it wasn't like i knew everything i was just hiring people that knew the skills that i needed right and i because i think i had that philosophy you know, my best friends growing up he was uh, maintenance guy in siebert and a couple of other guys that played soccer with forever they they're expert framers and i got other new guys that were just like amazing at what they did and i just i just t- took that and, and utilized it right and i was like hey i got a job for you do you want to do this right get them to buy into the idea and like yeah, okay great and then they just continue to kind of thrive in it. And so, but I'm like, Hey, I'm going to give you these other guys who actually don't know what they're doing. Can you help them? Yeah. Okay. Right. So it's like, there's a lot of, a lot of things to figure out along the way. Can you, of.
1: can you describe the journey that somebody may come on? Uh, you did a great job of this when we were just one-on-one of like, how someone develops of like hiring them, laying that out and then supporting them when they're working to get their license back or when they're trying to pay off certain debts or when they're trying to get their their feet under them. Because the job is usually for people step one and then the other supports aren't always there. So I'm just curious as to what the, the development of a person is like within your company. What are you striving towards?
0: Yeah. And that's, that's another thing too. I think, um, because everybody's at different areas of life, like you mentioned, like they're kind of at, they are different spots in their development of, you know, some of them have houses, some of them have children, some of them don't. And then, you know, I've had guys when I, I took them on, they hadn't had their license in years, right? And so that was my main goal. It's like, okay, boom, bare minimum. What do you need in life? You need um financial security you need your license you need um a place to live and i want you to get out of debt like those types of things right i want you to start taking your finances seriously so again yeah for a lot of them I was like oh i don't get my license because i owe a lot of money in insurance like okay well how much can i i could afford and it's like all right well how about i pay for that and obviously i'm in control of there so we'll pay part of that off each check right and then it's sort of a contractual thing and honestly there's people that have left and they still owe me money but it was just like okay they still have their license and whatever will happen will happen right you universe balances balances itself out but yeah i've had you know those those opportunities where again it's like oh i don't have insurance in my car i owe like 1800 dollars i'm like okay well, let's do that let's let's lend you the money and then we'll just kind of you'll slowly pay me off over the years but focus on the work because you can't do a good job if you're stressed out about your finances or whatever right you can't focus on the work right so creating that atmosphere of security right like the only thing i gotta worry about today is punching in and punching out in a sense like that should be sort of your mindset when you're going to work you should be like you know my wife's texting me you know like the the phones are going to cut off or this and that or rents due. you know those things like those are those aren't the those aren't the productive things to really mind keep your you know mind wrapped around so when i when somebody does come in i guess the first thing is handshake boom it's like okay what's your story what's your skill level I'm like okay okay well where do you want to go right like and that's why i have to sit people down and say like well what do you see for yourself and a lot of them have never been asked that question right a lot of guys don't like um Well, I don't know, like, you know, making money, you know, and that's, that's it. Like, that's a survival tactic, like a daily thing. Just like, well, I just know I need money. And I'm like, for what though? Right. It's like, so set a target. And it's like, okay, well let's get, and a lot of them we'll, we'll see, you know, it costs about, you know, I guess all inclusively like $1,500, $1,800 to get your license back. If you have to do the driver improver program, stuff like that. Cause I've done it. Honestly, like I said, I have a history with um, drinking, driving, alcoholism, those things. Right. And so in those moments, like I, I had people actually reach out and try to help me, but I was just like, yeah, you know, I don't know. Right. So um in this moment i'll have to ask the guy i was like okay we'll put the bigger picture in his in his head right like okay how would i pay for this and they're like okay and then we'll take it off each check and like, and then they have to do the course and then they get their license back like within six or seven months or whatever it is and they're almost like kind of don't believe it right and they're like okay this is great And again you know as much as it could be a success story it's not always but um like, okay, great. So now you're now you're on the road. Now I can pay you more, right? Now you know, you're more valuable, right? And so this is my investment is starting to pay off. Now I can put you in a van, go to work, and then I don't know how to, like, really find rides for you anymore, right? Now you're a self-sufficient man. Now you can drive your kids' practice, right? You know, those types of things, right? And then now you're kind of getting more confidence, right? So people, and that's that's sketchy because there's a timeline to it, and it's not always hard, easy to read, you start giving opportunities for certain people, they will like just start feeling it. All of a sudden it's too much for them, right? The road is a little bit rocky. All of a sudden they got all these responsibilities, got all this freedom. Easy to abuse that. If you haven't quite worked for it in a sense, right? Like you're getting all these like kind of new things. And so I'm realizing that. So there's a balance like anything. Whereas a lot of guys will be really grateful. and am like, wow, this is great. You know, I never want to like sacrifice it ever again. And, you know, I've had ups and downs with it. But you know, creating that opportunity for guys to just take take their lives seriously, take themselves seriously, right? And that there's like and then in turn it's like that's just mutually beneficial for everybody. Now I got a person who's responsible, uh, can drive, has a vehicle, uh you know, actually has pride in his work. Has a you know is well fed at home. Like all these things, is is just good business, right? You know, in, in a sense, like I said, it just kind of it's reciprocated. If the guys feel good and they're proud of themselves, they just do good work, right? And and they're more attentive and can communicate more. And you know, and again, like you know, appreciative in some senses, right? Um, but it the pro the goal to that is actually really hard. Like I've. I've tried to, you know, and it's hard to sit there and say, like, oh, I'm just inspiring a whole generation of men to do good work. And it's like, it's not always perfect. I, you know, I, I've I've definitely coddled particular ones and, you know, paid the prices for it. And, you know, so it's like some some of them need more of a push than others, but some of them need more research, too. Like, well, actually, what is the underlying issues going on here? Like, you seem to do really good and then you fall off you do really good and then you fall off right like so people are going through these influxes and you'll never know right because they'll never share with you what's going on in the personal life right so but again it's the the statistics for helping people is really low like if you say you know i have somebody who's like changes their life for the great like for the good um the success rate is very low for anybody so i'm going to say it's about like 25 percent of the people that i try to kind of you know employ and help and do these things well is a good story i can say roughly and then eventually I, once i get better at it i'm sure the statistics will increase like say by next year i'm like oh i could read the situation better i can understand the character a little better i was like hey he's actually going to take this seriously i think i have a good in- good feeling about him right mm-hmm. so and that, it's like with any program with you know like the aa program anything then the first nation the red road stuff like the you know a lot of the a lot of those stats are very low for anybody that fully recovers from addiction so, I mean, and this is just one avenue, right? Using work as a motivator to actually empower people to make positive change in their lives, right? So, and again, it's just, it's, it's basically really hard to first identify what their barriers are, right? And then some of them will be really honest about it. And some people will, you know, if their egos are kind of up, they won't say, no, I'm fine. But I'm like with the, ba- the bare necessities is something that i like to focus on like okay and i say like so first thing first yeah license you know second thing like well okay great And that's you know as, how's your home life you know do you got any debts like let's get you sort of organized so when i when i started the company i didn't have any sort of admin, admin system enroll i didn't have payroll right like i didn't do any of that stuff at first everything was kind of e-transferish and then eventually i had an idea i was like i want these guys to start you know having a track record of you know, the financial record, right? So then I started using uh, you know, getting the whole the systems in order and now they got pay subs, stuff like that, right? And they're gonna have T fours and all that. And now they're financing vehicles, right? And it's like for this before they had like no idea. Now you know they're using, they understand the importance of having documentation for things. I'm like, well, now you can ast- you've established credit, right? Now you could actually finance these things. So I mean, they bought cars, trucks, right, and these things for their families, and you know, they're fishing in it, and all these other things, right? So I mean, there's there's really good stories here because now they're starting to understand finances, right, a little bit, and what what these places are looking for, right? And they can, and so educating themselves a little bit more when they're looking at their pay stubs, Like, what is that? What is that? What is that? Right. Yeah. It's fundamental things of, well, this is taxes and, you know, EI. And so like, you know, little benefits of just being more involved, um, having these, like these conversations with the guys, so like, okay, you feel like this is annoying that I have to do time cards and stuff, but I need to input this stuff so that you have this, so you can get this right. And so you always have to explain things thoroughly um, because everybody just wants to think like I worked, give me money. Right. And there's more to it than that. right?
1: Like Absolutely. And valuing the work that you do and understanding that effort, energy, passion, they have yeah. a value. And often we struggle with understanding that value because it is, I worked two weeks at McDonald's and then I get a paycheck We don't realize that people like Elon Musk, people like Jeff Bezos, whether you think they're great or evil people, they did a lot of investing in the early years that nobody ever saw, that nobody cared about. Like there's stories of Elon Musk sleeping in his factories Mm -hmm. um, and surviving in there. And then now he's worth so much money and we're like, oh my gosh, why is he worth that? That's so unreasonable. And it's like he spent years on the brink of bankruptcy. Before he made it to where he was, there was huge investments, Jeff Bezos, famous, um, and then Jim Pattison as well. Fascinating people, because what they did is um, Jeff Bezos was like, Amazon is going to be the prime delivery system for everything. And so every time he embraced a problem, he was like, how do I build something that will fix that problem that will make me money as well, that will go back into the company. And so he bought, I don't know if you know Ring, but Ring is a company that uh, you put up at your door um, and then you click it and it's like a, a doorbell, but then it has a camera in it. So it sees you on the other side and I can see from my phone that you're at my door and I can um, like allow you to leave the package, accept the package, whatever it is, oh, yeah. from my phone from anywhere on planet Earth. So cool. you don't have to be in the home in order to respond to that. Um, and he bought that company for like a billion dollars because doesn't that tie in perfectly with amazon mm-hmm. it's the same with uh, jim pattison who owns save on foods price smart um he also owns all the signage from chilliwack to abbotsford so all those signs what do they advertise they advertise a lot of save on foods they advertise a lot of um the radio stations, and what does he own? He owns the radio stations. So he has a system in place that complements each other so that he can let people know about his radio station through his signs, and he can let people know about Safe on Foods from both of those businesses. And then he has car dealerships, and he, what are advertised along the road? Car dealerships. And so people don't realize the, the brilliance behind a business Oftentimes we go, why is Jim Pattison a billionaire and one of the only billionaires in, in Canada that's made it that way? Well, it's because every time they saw a problem, they looked for cool solutions that could also be their own businesses that would thrive independently. And you very much have this mindset of investing in people, but also looking for problems to solve within your business that will allow your business to thrive. And I think that that's really fascinating and When I did uh, law school, I was studying indigenous entrepreneurship because there is this culture right now when I was even studying entrepreneurship of people being like, well, indigenous people weren't entrepreneurs. They weren't business people. And that could not be less true when you're trading a canoe for a hundred salmon, when you're trading like whale blubber for this, like there is prices. And Mm. we don't often understand that money is existed prior to colonization as well through dentilium shells and through uh, just understanding the value of the work you do. And we're in a time where so many people don't know how to value their time. And through this podcast, I might not be making any money from it right now, but I think that the time I invest in this is a value. I'm just not receiving that today. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean I won't ever receive money for this. And when somebody comes along and they want to invest, I'm going to price high because I've invested a lot for it to be here today and so as much as it isn't worth anything to anybody else the brand, the effort, the energy, it's all accumulated so one day somebody's going to be like, oh what if I sponsored your podcast how much? I'm going to say it's going to be this number and that sucks for you if you wanted it to be something (laughs) cheap because I invested in this and if I'm going to bring on people, they have to appreciate the years of work that went in before they were sponsors, before they were supporters and that's a challenge for so many people when we talk about money in indigenous communities For my perspective is because we're not good at explaining that money is the value you create for other people for other businesses for for your community that is a signal it isn't the end all and be all but it's a signal of the value you've created and i think we need to do a better job of communicating that to people because so often it's like i have 600 bucks now i'm going to spend 600 bucks but it's like that's how much somebody valued you for the work that you did and i love construction landscaping craftsmanship type work because there's two levels of value there's the value you create what shows up on your paycheck but there's also looking at how you garden something like uh you see good landscaping you can see it when you see all of the lines perfectly drawn in um within like religious ideas there's the idea of the walled garden adam and eve and the idea that Everything is exactly the way it should be. And as much as nature is abundant, it is controlled. It is beautiful because the waterway just flows just a certain way. The trees just are carved a certain way. It all looks beautiful and put together. It's the same with a house. And your belief in the value of the home really stands out to me because it's something I feel like is a a common trope around indigenous people that we don't value our homes. That when people talk in everyday society about indigenous houses, it's always with uh, how many cars are broken broken down outside of it. Is it well maintained? Is it properly painted? And there is a sense of shame that I've seen my clients have around the quality of life they live in their house. And so changing that, giving something for someone to be proud of and having that craftsmanship of somebody being able to be i built that house that means more to people than i wrote that report like it will always mean more because you can see it you can feel it when you're standing in it, it feels like a home that is something different than uh, i filled out this document and, and it was a good document like that doesn't carry the same level of weight as looking at, wow, like, this is really secure house and like, uh, the, the structure. You notice that like old windows, the one with the one window level, they just feel less secure than the double paned windows. Like there's a sense of security with that. There's, there's small things that people don't always notice on the surface level, but around the house that can make it like a home. And I think that that is likely a great tool for people to be able to be a part of that kind of process.
0: Yeah, I think, he, I think that's a good point. It's actually like the value that I was trying to instill in myself is like, I don't know what my value is yet, right? So my first year again was like, okay, well, I just need to get my foot in the door, right? I need to create something that people value. Like they want to see, I and I mentioned on my website, I want people to um, see a Creek Cedar truck and be like, oh, cool, and have a good feeling, not see like, you know, uh, you know, typical whatever and like oh god that's going to be expensive because when you think about it when you have somebody come into your front door um you know fridge repairman or whatever you're thinking how much money is this going to be right you want to have a good feeling when you see that logo come up like oh they're going to do good work and i'm going to get a good deal and i'm going to feel great after right and those are the three combinations of like things that if, if anything right and so and that's and that's kind of what we're in the business of, like in that trading, that trading of feeling, right? Like sense of accomplishments versus monetary value. Because I mean, I don't really have much use for a bunch of money, like in a sense of uh, I'm not. And you mentioned uh, Elon Musk and Chris. Uh, sorry, what was the name? Bezos. What was his Jeff name? Bezos. Jeff Bezos. Yes, and I think they're they're different philosophies but also it's like it's funny because the two people ahead of those industries typically always are right you know because you have one and one's always slightly ahead of the other because it's like i feel elon is and i'm interested because you know i drive an electric car um and i've always i've always really gravitated towards him because well you know that he doesn't he's not a flashy guy you know he's like he looks at money he's like I wonder what i could invest in right and he's always in this like Ooh, I, you know, his main goal is, like you know, say one of them is get to Mars. I want to change the, you know, the automobile industry. I want to do these things. These are just like projects for him. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he does care about people, but he's not like a people person per se, like in my, in my mind. Cause, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't much care to want to have to be, um, you know, acknowledged or praised for the good things that I do. I just want them to happen. You know what I mean? Like, and those, those things. And I think that's what, you know, I think again, like, Elon, he's like, I don't like having to be lifted up for these things. I just think they're cool. Right. You know, and that's what a lot of engineers mindsets are. They just like, they, they don't like people. They like things. And, you know what I mean? And, and I think with the history and what motivates you um, is again, just to see something go, get completed. Right. And then, so, and again, it's just not turning back, and I get you know a little bit um, worried sometimes when something's not going right. Well, like, uh, but but you're you're very determined. No, it's gonna get it's gonna get done. So again, like you said, you have that mindset. Okay, truck broke down. What do I do? How do I? Okay, I should have got BCA. <laughs> you know, like those things, right? Like and they're like, okay, so you strategize. Where do I reinvest? Okay, and this is the tolerance, and maybe the, I guess the control that business owners have to have too is like if you're a flashy guy. Behind are like you know, chances are you're not going to actually succeed very much in business because you're going to do it for the money, right? And that's it's kind of that's sort of the thing. And people think that money and and ego is is where they're motivated. And I I'm not saying you're not going to succeed. And maybe Jeff Bezos isn't like that per se, but you can definitely tell he likes stuff. And 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 for Elon, he's like he just likes things. Like he just thinks things. You know, he's like I can't wait till I get two, you know, twenty two more billions. So I could feel like what what else I can build, yeah. right? He just likes creating things. And and, and similarly so. Um, I think if you're a good business owner, um, you don't get distracted by the money, right? And you're just thinking all the time, like, wow, did we profit anything there? Great. what What should I buy now? Like, I mean, how could I reinvest into this company event? So it's always just adding and adding. And you know, there's times where you're just you're more or less just taking hits. You're like, oh my god, can I take this anymore? Is something else that breaks down is going to sink me. And maybe, maybe not, right? But then it's like there's always it just teaches you to strategize, right? Hey, if I need more money, then I have to go and maybe borrow some. I really have to stay committed to this idea because a lot of business owners when they start things, they start depending on people. They take you know, say ten thousand dollar hit on something. they be like, oh, that was too much. I'm going to just start you know firing people and then just stick to myself. Stay in a controlled environment, or you take the other mindset saying, what? can i learn from this that was a ten thousand dollar like learning lesson uh and then re-strategize okay well i'm not going to do that anymore or hey i'm going to hire this person for something else right like i'm going to maybe subcontract that workout so we're not specializing in that anymore <laughs> like you know you just you, you take just little lessons and maybe um if i hire the subcontractor i you know i could still benefit you know take 10 percent off the revenue and like that least that's just a contra- contractual thing and then i can reinvest that into the the big huge thing, deficit i just took right? you know what i mean like so you find strategies to pay things off you just can't get intimidated to loss right and again that's that's kind of it right so a lot of these companies that succeed just constantly want to learn they constantly want to problem solve like any business like the greatest and the top are always looking to improve and i think that's a it's a really healthy mindset to be it say you know for example like i think you'd have the same way if your podcast was like say competing with joe rogan or whoever right you'd be like that wouldn't be something you're just like you wouldn't just sit you'd be like I'm still looking for the next interview. I'm still looking to, mm-hmm. you know, strive and strive and strive. And, I, you know, and that's the the feeling that I want to give to people is like, you know, like, you know, and not, it's not so much saying that you're not good enough. It's just like it's saying that you could always be better, right? Mm-hmm. Like, think about it in positively. Like, yeah, oh, I'm doing. So if I like sat here after a year and say, hey, I did it, and, like, you know, I got this company and I uh, got all these things and built all these things and like, and I've just like sat on that, like, That's not really, there's no end goal to this, right? And for most of the things that we do, like, and people probably ask me, like, well, what's your end goal? i like, don't we have one? Like, this company could always provide more services, could always be more useful. I could always hire more guys. I could always take people out of poverty. I could always, you know, create more revenue to start more projects, right? I could always be talking to more people, individuals. I could always develop more. You know, like, um, services, right? It's endless, right? I can, you know, I eventually could start creating a closing line if I want. And you know what I mean? And use the revenue to pay for whatever, right? Like these, these different things, like they're just, it's an ongoing cycle. And I, I like because, you know, there's always something to do, right? And there's always people to talk to, right? And it's, and you, I've come into contractors. I could feel right out of the gate, we we're just really into the quick paycheck and they don't last long, right? Cause like, you know, they get that, you know, a few thousand dollars revenue and they're just like, sweet, that was easy. And they try it again, they're hungry and they start buying brand new shiny things. And I'm like, yeah, you know, they might succeed because they have a really good work ethic and they're really good at what they do. But again, it's like, well, you're not going to get any, any bigger if you got really high spending habits. And all of a sudden, you start buying all these things that you're liable for, right? And so, I try to stay within my means. And I'm, and anybody that knows me, I'm kind of like somewhat of a frivolous, I don't know, frugal guy is the other word. You know, whatever. They don't like calling me cheap. But it's like, I just like to live within my means. I like to strategize, right? Like, you know, building things costs a lot of money, right? You know, and it's like, and it but for me, it's like money well spent, I think. Um, and I mentioned my dad a little while. He's passed now. But, um, you know, actually, um, he told me this a while, like, when I was a kid and it stuck with me. Um, he's like, oh, and I really hated this red car that we had. It was, like, this beat-up, ugly car. And, you know, it was embarrassing. And, then, you know, finally we, um, you know, he took it, uh, he drove us to, like, drove to school and, and stuff. And now obviously I'm like, he's like... You know, we drove it for like a year and I was like, can we get rid of this car? I mean, whatever, right? And he's like, you know what? He's like, I bought that car for $500 and I sold it for $500. And, you know, we drove it for a year. He's like, that car made us money in a lot of ways, right? And it was like super easy on gas and this and that, right? And, you know, and like those things. And then he talked about his truck. He's like, so that truck paid for itself, right? Because he had a truck and he roofed. So he did like three or four roofs with it. And he's like, that truck paid itself off in a month. I'm like, oh. So I started thinking about those things, right? Like people that actually, you know, purchase things. And it's silly. Well, it's not silly, but it's like we come to this, you know, culture where people that make the least amount of money buy the most expensive shit. <laughs> <For real? laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you will see business owners that do quite successful, don't actually go to the high end stores. They're like, why would I spend five hundred dollars in a pair of shoes? Like I'm fine with these things. Like you know, they're very wealthy, but they just find ne- more necessary ways to spend it. Yeah.
1: Right. You know, they're, I mean? ca- they're called old money. I don't know if you've heard that saying, no, but uh, so. there's new money and then there's old money. So rappers mm-hmm. are a good example of new money because they show it as much as they can. Old money. There's a, a guy in downtown Chilliwack. He owns. Uh, I don't know if he still does, but the Royal Hotel. He owns that whole block, and he dresses like a tradesperson, he wears ratty pants a ratty uh jacket like nothing fancy about him and he has to be worth millions of dollars and have an incredible bank account for everything that he owns doesn't care that's not what he was in it for and he's always working on stuff he's always fixing problems and he doesn't look he looks less fancy than i do mm-hmm. and uh, i'm sure he's doing very well for himself and so that's like old money and mm-hmm. People up in like Ryder Lake, uh, people in the communities we might think of as um, upper echelon or higher quality or the more wealthy people in our community often have that farmer kind of mindset of like, I'm not chauvinistic, nobody needs to know, it doesn't matter because it's a, It's just a representation of their success and it's just a number in a bank account mm-hmm. and many people hit those points of like they'll never need all of that money it will just be passed on to their children grandchildren and so on and it's something that really has always fascinated me which is like what is that look like what is su- financial success look like over seven generations not over two weeks a year because like you see people who gamble a lot um it was just funny uh it was uh waiting for gas and this lady was like oh i want this lottery ticket and then um the person was like okay went to grab it and she was like no not that one another one like of the exact same version and then was like actually that's the only one we have left and she was like oh then it must be lucky and it was like no, you just said you didn't want it. And now since it's the only one, you get to take it. And like the whole, (laughs) the whole mindset around gambling is like arbitrary. And then if they get 10,000, $20,000, they're going to misspend it, buy more lottery tickets. Like they're not going to have a long-term vision because that's not in their nature. Like that's not what they're used to. So, so many people like, oh, what I'd do if I won the lottery. And it's like, you wouldn't do any of the things you think you do because you wouldn't know what to do with that money if you had it to begin with because they don't have... Now, I give you $20,000. You're thinking of what projects can I do? How can I do more? How can I grow this business? Which is going to be fruitful because it's investment. But most people have no idea how to invest their money in a fruitful way that's going to last long term. Because one area you talked to me about was investing in communities, parks, playgrounds, sports. Can you talk about that? Yeah,
0: it's just like, because I know that um, with capital projects, stuff like that, um, public works mostly, it was very something I was interested in while I was doing some work in Seabird, because I honestly, the 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 money spent in parks, recreation, all this stuff is huge mental benefits for the next generation, right? So, I mean, even if I had a, just a basketball court for the little neighborhood that I live in, it would just be huge for the kids. it would be out, so they're not on the road, this and that, right? Um I think I see that as just like a huge benefit. And not only that, you call it Creek Cedar Park and people will just love you, right? And so, I mean, it's got a lot of, you know, return policies too. Like, But in the sense of it all, like, it's just good investment. It's just good... It's just what we're, we stand for, right? And it's like, I want to create positive change for the future. And I, I think if you stay motivated like that, and if, if you stay focused, like, I can't wait until I can create, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars of revenue, so then we can actually start investing in things like that, right? And, you know, like, oh, it's a tax write-off. It's like, just, it's kind of a myth. But, uh, and it's like, well, no, because that's that's sort of the goal here. It's like, hey, we're, you know, we're tradespersons. We want to create, you know... Um, you know opportunities for our our kids right like so i mean if my son wants to be a home builder awesome right and you know well guess what we have to nurture his development until he gets there and then same with a couple of the guys that i work with they all got kids um if they're going to work for creeks here in the future it's hopefully that they have a good development good childhood right it's just it's just a really it's a good feeling to say that you were part of something right and that's what this podcast called bigger than me you know that you're part of something bigger than yourself and you know and if and again, I think this, the entrepreneurial side of things is that you don't get, you know that your time is your biggest asset in a lot of ways. Um, and then you stop really, you stop really focusing on the returns of it. You know, you're kind of thinking like the return of it is that I'm actually learning and investing in myself, right? And this whole year and everybody, I tell the guys, when you guys make more money than I do, I have to, it costs a lot of money to keep this thing going because we're in the development stage, right? Everything's in the development stage um, for the first, I'm going to say five years in some ways, but. Um, I, of course, I wanted things to happen fast. And so I took a lot of risk. It cost a lot of money. And you know what I mean? And so, and it's fine. It's those, those hits are my responsibility, right? And, um, say we go and build a park and we go build, you know, say I've done projects for, um, different communities where like, you know, I don't make any money off them because it's like just good it's good relationship building, right? And, you know, build stairs for elders and I've done these things. Like I've delivered, paid the guys to deliver like firewood to the elders as well. Like these are, these are cap- like community projects that I want to make sure that I c- keep in my, it keeps me accountable, right? He's like, Hey, what have I done for the community lately? Uh, you I don't know, I can't remember the last thing. So, oh, okay, let's go. Let's make sure we're keeping this flowing. Cause, it's, it's just, it's kind of what we have to keep that vision in mind, right? Like you said, your why, and I mean, it's like, so, cause I want the guys to also feel like they're providing a service too. Right. And then, so a lot of the the projects that I take on, and this is a very fine line because what I'm trying to do is offer service, like way cheaper than the competition. Um, you know, all the other contractors out there, I'm trying to fit within the first nations budgets which aren't like huge. Right. So I've taken hits on a couple of projects just to keep things going. Right. Like, um, you know, taking money out of my own pocket a bunch of times just to kind of like, keep keep operations going, which is you know, it is what it is. My money's the company's money. Basically, in a long, a lot of ways, like, it just goes back and forth. Like, you know, um, things happen, things happen, right? So, um, it's just I, I think it's it's worth knowing that, like, okay, what what do I want to do? It's not so much my ego. Like, you buy every truck, you buy every piece of equipment, you buy. It's like you know, some some people at first they get add to your ego and it gets carried away with you. But I mean, if you with the real work, the real, I guess the Um, Mark of success, I think, is if you've actually created something worth remembering right? And it's like, so some people say like, you know, oh man, that guy made a million dollars. Like, nobody cares, really. Like, it's not something that like stands the test of time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you got this reputation. But if you say, hey, Matt built that park down the road, that's still standing. I'm like, that's something. Well, I mean not Matt, I'm Creek Cedar, right? The company's its own person. That's why I really wanted to incorporate it like, I wanted to create this thing that Creek Cedar and I don't really promote myself like visually, right? Like, I don't ever like, I don't put myself on the webpage. I don't put myself on the Facebook page, right? Yeah, I'm the owner of it, but it's not about me, right? It's just about a, an idea and a philosophy, right? So if we're building parks, doing really good things, people are like, oh, yeah, Creek Cedar built that, Creek Cedar did that. And people are like, who's this Creek Cedar guy anyway? It's like, it's not about the guy. It's about the company. It's about the philosophy. It's like, so...
1: Do you think that's dangerous at all? Because... As much as Tesla is Tesla without Elon Musk, you almost need a voice. Like I've commented, one of my favorite uh, nutritional places is Beyond Nutrition. One of his challenges is he incorporated as Beyond Nutrition, but the guy behind it is Johnny. And people go there for him and they have confidence in him and they love his mindset and his approach. It's the same with uh, Bill from the Town Butcher. Bill is the person who who cared about quality meat before anybody was thinking about quality meat, who cared about um, like um, farm fresh eggs before farm fresh eggs matter to anyone. Like he started in 2008 and I'd say a lot of that kind of movement happened in the 2013 areas. And so there's often big movers and shakers behind the business and if we don't have an opportunity like people will not connect to the same extent with tesla as they do with elon musk like his name will be remembered just like how uh edison light bulb like we know edison we know light bulb like it, it's almost like a process so do you think that's a challenge at all
0: well, that's a good point actually because uh, you know if that's what i struggle with because again i i mentioned this about ego and this is my, my you know almost everybody's worst enemy right ego pride costs money tons of it right because if you're here you are trying to dress to impress people around you and i i want to make sure that i'm always keeping that at bay because being you know like having addictions in the past like i know that that's the biggest center point of actually ever asking for help um i so i have to regulate that constantly like if i'm disappointed frustrated so i never wanted i never wanted a whole lot of attention around the success of this company because well I didn't want it to shift me you know what I mean so I guess I always wanted to like okay um, acknowledge that this separate being in a sense right this Creek Cedar reputation is self self fulfilling self dependent kind of thing right so it's not there's no face to it but again I, I understand like that could cause some complications and I think I think you're right. Sometimes you do have to be that sort of that figurehead, right? Yeah. And I think that it'll get to that point. But right now, it's it's nice to know that it's sort of this fictitious being yeah. in, in itself to just it's reliable on doing work. Because honestly, and this is my from my experience and and um, in, in different ways, I don't want to be an easy target. Sometimes too, do I have the time and energy and strength to resist a lot of criticism right now? probably not mm-hmm. right so i mean it, and then again those things take energy that's why i really commend you because you put your you promote yourself a lot which is great and it's, and it's it takes a lot of courage to do that because again and in every every population there's people that are really you know they they do the chicken shit stuff and they'll take people down easily mm-hmm. enough and then it's easy to say something negative and feel empowered by it mm-hmm. right and there's these these sicknesses and i feel that And there's these these standards of perfectionism that really are really hurting a lot of people, right? Like I said, the left side of the brain, I think that side, you know, shame, guilt, all those other things. That's that's not where people want to live, and they are good. They are very powerful uh, manipulation tactics, right? Using shame to inspire, not inspire people, but control people, right? They are very useful. They are very but not the way that we want to do things. I want to kind of empower people productively, right? And so I try to stay, I don't want to be, do so well that it gets to my head. You know what I mean? And that's why I guess maybe why I want to create this, is this is what we're doing over here, right? Here I am. You know, Yes, I am kind of pulling strings over here, but I don't want to stay in the line. I don't want to get acknowledged. I don't want to, you know, all this other stuff. I want that to fall on the guys, right? The good stuff to fall on the guys. They're the ones doing all the, you know, on-site work, stuff like that feel you know getting the praise because it's worth it's useful to feel praise right and um and again all taking all the crap taking all the shit from certain things that just don't go right right because it's always in the life of a contractor so you can't have control of everything so you know you weed out the discrepancies right and so i'm like okay if i'm taking if there's a, an unsatisfied customer because you can't please everybody, then I'll tap that conversation. Don't talk to my guys on site. It might be easier to go and shit on the guy that just painted a room the wrong color. But, you know, talk to me about it, right? I want to be that filter. Like, come here. I'll take the hit. And then I'll explain to him, right? In a nice way because a lot of our people are very sensitive, right? I mean, most people are, right? If I said... Um, you know, for example, I'm sitting here criticizing, Hey, that's a horrible painting on the wall. Like, what's, what are you, were you thinking? Like you, boom, that just sits on you. Cause you, in, you like that painting, right? You do this. And like, that's something that you've invested time, thought and energy into. And then I'm criticizing it. Like, that's hard to take sometimes, right? Especially if it's coming from somebody who's really, just doesn't give a shit about your feelings. Um, or it really understands your perspectives either, right? Because everybody's got their own perspectives. They're allowed to. So, and again, it's being able to filter out that information, right? Because, like, some people are really careless with their words, right, a lot of the times. So, and I I know that, but but the words are important, right? Every information is good, you know, any data, negative, positive is good data, right? If you have somebody who's just crying around all the time on social media, you know, bitching, complaining about all the work that Kickstarter did, it's still good information, right? Like you still have to look, look at it and say like, well, what's what was their issue and why are they like that? Yeah. Because we're not only into the building field, we're also in the helping people field. So in the other, other sense of it, I could learn how to navigate those clients, right? Like I have to understand, like maybe I could help them out with something else. Maybe it wasn't so much the deck that was their problem. Maybe there was something else, right? Then I can get to understand them a little better. Like maybe I can work with the community. Like, hey, this person was really struggling with something. Mm -hmm. And so I could share that information because, you know, one of my portfolios was health and I was super interested in mental health because I need to be an, like in control of that myself, you know, like different people have different mental illnesses and, you know, I struggle with different anxieties and stuff like that. And I have to really be careful, like where again my ego goes, right? Because my ego will get in the way of connection and spirituality and all this stuff, right? It'll, it'll separate me into this whole realm of me trying to establish this big empire. And it's like, it's not about an empire, it's about an idea, right? So yeah, I can't remember where your original question was, but it, it was, I think it's, it's kind of developing itself into its own. Yeah, it's own sort of animal and Again, you're right. I'll probably have to step in and say, like, okay, here it is. Here's the spokesperson, Right. And you know, and I, if, at the time being, I'm more focused on the guys, which I realized I had to do. Yeah. Right. If I didn't have a foundation, if I didn't have strong workers, if I didn't have all this, then I have nothing to preach. Right. So sure. this is where my investment in it. And it's going to be constantly, you know, checking in with them and making life a little bit, you know, good for them, make, making sure that things are on a good path. And again, you know, life happens, people come to challenges, and I want to make sure that I have the revenue and the, you know, this, the holdings to to support them. Like, oh man, you know, my car just broke down, and I just don't have the money. It's like, okay, here we go, right? Here, let me help you with that, right? You don't know, go to work. Now, you know, I want you to be comfortable. So it's like a family dynamic. I don't want to ever be like, well, it's not in the policy for us to support that cuz that's when you really get kind of like cuz policy it keeps you from being a human. Each situation is different. Yeah. I I noticed that in um in in certain policies that I've worked with is like we're always trying to to under we're always trying to keep from, you know, one out of six people hurt in the system. It's like, "Oh, no, we don't do that cuz probably some people will steal or take advantage of it." Like so what? Universal balance itself. Of stuff. Of why punish the five other people who really need the service, right? You know what I mean? So, for example, like, you know, you, so you put a restriction on, uh, oh, f- like, for a food bank, let's say. Like, on, only you can only pull from the food bank once a month or something. But what if this family has five kids, you know, and this other? Well, because one person kept coming every week and they only live by themselves. Like, yeah, that's one person, right? You know, but you know, we're, we're keeping five other families starving because we're trying to keep from this one taking revenge so i'm like policies are just really not all inclusive so it's again it's a lot of case-by-case case stuff and so and again people and who enforce these policies don't have the control like the power to change them so and that's why i'm really kind of like you know a little bit shaky on the whole idea Yeah. so what i want to do is make sure that i have ability and time in order to kind of just really read each scenario um, logically, and, you know, with an empathy, right? So if a guy is like, oh, Matt, Matt will lend you the money if you need to fix your car. Or Matt will, like, well, whose car is it, right? Oh, it's my grandma's, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's like, well, okay, I can't start fixing all of you. <laughs> so, and again, I want to have the ability to be able to, like, you can just read each situation logically, right? It's like, well, okay, I don't have the money to do it now, but, you know, we'll work something out, right? How would I help you with this? But then you put a little extra hours to pay for it off, right? Like, there's always solutions to problems, right? And I don't want to ever just, like, rely on, like, the rules because I'm too tired to really, like, kind of listen to the problem, right? Because I really, it's, it's, I'm more of a problem solver than, you know, than a, a law enforcer. Yeah, right, and I think that's where it's a good place to be. You're curious, you want to understand the situation, you want to figure out how to fix it and, and that's what guys that are in the building field, and I think most people, want to love coming with solutions. I think we're, we're built that way, genetically, yeah. right? Like, you know, we feel so good, you know, again, it's like you know, you, you had a financial situation, you solved it, or hey, you had a broken leg on your chair and you fixed it, and you're like, oh, hey, fucking my, my, my chair works all of a sudden. I just saved myself 20 bucks, or yeah. whatever it
1: is. <laughs> right? yeah. I think ego is like a huge challenge for some people, but like it's all about um, just putting things into context. Because like there's been tons of news articles written about me, but you can't eat that up. Like I didn't even read the one they wrote about me most recently. Like you can't kind of get lost in the idea that you're you're important because they're getting some skewed they're asking specific questions about a specific topic it's not you it's not the flaws when you tr- like i trip up the stairs like people don't see that in the news article they don't see me spill something on myself cuz i i sneezed at the same time like you're still just a person and mm-hmm. like i think often people can kind of lose that when they start to get the positive news articles written about them but i want to ask because uh it's coming up national truth and reconciliation day is coming up your focus has been housing And housing has been a huge challenge for Indigenous communities. How do you see people being meaningfully involved in National Truth and Reconciliation Day? Do you have any thoughts on how people can be a part of the solution Uh, from your perspective as someone who builds homes for Indigenous people in Indigenous communities? How do we think about this from your perspective?
0: Well, I think it's also, it's very different. I mean, uh, because people are still very resentful towards the whole the whole dynamic of like, okay, why are we, you know, why are we forgiving the Pope or whatever? Like, right? why are we doing this whole thing? And, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm resentment. keeps you sick hundred percent. I know that much for sure. And you know what, again, forgiving people, you're doing yourself a favor in a lot of ways. It's not about them. Um, but again, I think because people don't want to forget because they, they consin- consistently want to punish like, oh, well, uh, nothing will ever make up for the grievances for that happened to my family. And I continue to struggle with because they're still dealing with those things. And I constantly think that it's it's regardless of what happened to us in the past, it's our responsibility today to actually figure out how to get over that. Right. I mean, it's like, OK, what are we just going to say? Boom, this happened to me. And all of a sudden I'm just going to pass it down to my kids. No, screw that. Like, it's, you know, you have an opportunity here. The tools, the people, the everything they're asking, they're trying support you right they're trying to support you to get you through these things and you know and sometimes people will just kind of sidestep it and they're like no well i'd rather be mad (laughs) i would rather be resentful and all that stuff but i think it's more or less an opportunity to just kind of like speak what information we have right and again i don't know what the platform is going to be you know if there's going to be opportunities to share what i've seen um, being in, in housing development and all that other stuff and again i think for me it's it's the education part is that people don't really um, have the knowledge yet to take care of their, some of their houses, right? Things go bad and they don't know what to do about it, or they don't know who to call. They'll call the ban office, ban office doesn't know who to call sometimes, too. Um, you know, and it's like letting these things kind of. It's the mental struggles that we all kind of have, like, okay, what quality and what standard do we want to live by? What did our teachers or what did our parents pass down to us? We don't know because a lot of the things that they passed down to us were um, just survival tactics, right? You know what I mean? And I think the, the reconciliation days is really just an opportunity for everybody to speak their mind in sense of like, and not not take it personally. I see that as an opportunity to just really, you know, share information, you know, and because I know that people will agree or disagree with actually all this reconciliation stuff because, again, it's there's there's a lot of power in being negative. You know, they will feel there's a lot of like not, not good power to say, like, but not domination either. It's like they most people are just thriving to feel significant. And it's the quick and easy way to do that is to, to shit on somebody else. Right. And it's like it's not to say that none of us, you know, had, you know, any of us had. All of us had bad lives, upbringings, but a lot of us did. And we don't understand why. And, um, you know, and we're only just getting better and better. So, I mean, it's more or less like like a mark. It's like, okay, this is what we had you know we could say in 20 years 20 years ago and that set this in motion right so i think it's just uh, you know if we all kind of just come together and and say like you know my perspective doesn't agree with his perspective but i'm okay with it like comfortably disagree with things right and i think as a home builder and i say like yeah you know we're still repairing a lot of the damage that happened years ago and we'll continue to repair right and i I think uh, coming from a home builder that like again that's my favorite thing it's like this is all about repairing 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 right problem solving keep going forward right if this is something that you know is right or wrong there, there is really none and i think you know the next step is like this is just going to be information and data that you know we're going to document and say like oh wow this happened 20 years ago and this is what happened from it and from now on like we we still celebrate these things right and um I want to kind of like, you know, again, if people ask me, offer my input on the situation, then fantastic. Like, I you know, I'll I'll say what what little I have to say, but I mean, within my own lane kind of thing. And I I have like strong opinions on different matters. But again, I don't want to put words in people's mouths either. I want them to comfortably say, you know, what they feel. Because again, bad or good or whatever, negative, positive, it's all good information, right? Because I mean, if people are hiding how they truly feel, then we can't strategize appropriately. Right. So, I mean, again, I think it'll be, it's, it's, I don't know how it's supposed to be celebrated, what it's going to mean to the future generations. But I think, you know, definitely making any change is positively good change sometimes because, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say because at least it gives us, it gives us strategies, incentives, right? It's like, okay, well, that was, that was interesting. (laughs) We took a risk there. Right. And I, I like calculated risks because, you know, in some ways, like I think about people and, and men in general that really feel like they rise to the top quicker, it's because they take more risks typically than, 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 than females sometimes because they have to be more conservative and they have to have a lot more responsibilities most of the time. And so men will always do this and they're like, you know, say this is your target, right? Simon Sinek says it. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden they hit their target. And like somehow by some freaking nature, they get there and then this, you know, this this other employee is steadily climbing and then they miss the target, right? And all of a sudden this person gets promoted and this person's like, you know, let alone that was just a fluke. But but you mean know, that, that's that's kind of what we're doing here, and yeah. I think, I think just like for people to to take the take the chance of actually disrupting some people's attitudes is good progress. Sometimes, right? You're going to take some hits. You're going to take some, you know. You're just going to have to take it with good information. Like, okay, great, and not be so afraid of the you know the the lashback kind of stuff, right? So.
1: Do you feel like we're on the right path? Do you feel like we are taking steps towards reconciliation on Facebook? It often feels like we're not making progress when you talk about the Pope's speech or um, government institutions. uh, Often people will comment that there's no progress being made or that we're not living up to promises. Do you personally feel like things are opening up, that there are opportunities and that we are moving in the right direction?
0: Yeah. I try to take, not take all the, the news seriously these days too much, but honestly, the fact that we're doing something is better than nothing. And I'm I'm a big strategist around that, right? Like, um, People, again, the, the negativity will always be louder than the positive in a lot of ways sometimes, right? Because people will actually, you know, it's 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 one of those things we're geared for that, right? It's like, it's like skiers, like, you know, the reason why, you know, they're they're going down mountains because they're looking, they're focusing on the snow. And guess what, if I go down a mountain and skis, I'm looking at the trees, I'm going to hit a tree, you know, It's and you will always get to your target if you're focused on it, right? So that's what professionals focus on, they, they see the opportunity, they don't see the, you know, the things that are in their way. And I think as entrepreneurs and business owners and leaders like yourself that, you know, you, you see opportunities. Opportunities, you take it,
1: right? I have to ask. Then, government institutions, government functions, um, band offices, municipal governments, federal governments. You were a part of your your community's council. Now you're an entrepreneur, personally. I feel like the entrepreneurs are the people who make the real change in a lot of ways. They improve our laptops, our cell phones, our houses. Those are the people that often end up making the long-term change for our community, where governments, spending, policies, they make a difference. It's, It's not nothing, but... The mindset change, the cultural change, the aspirations. There's a reason that the the United States has the American dream, that they feel that every day and people move all around the world to move there for that American dream, not for the government funding or resources or um, overloaded government institutions, but for that entrepreneurial dream of like, if you work hard, if you put your best foot forward, you will succeed. Do you feel like a lot of the advancements we're going to see in terms of the quality of life for Indigenous people is more Likely government institutions or um, in entrepreneurship like yourself?
0: I think entrepreneurship is actually huge and I, I really accredit people. I think the supports, um, and again, maybe information like this is like, you know, you have to really have a lot of integrity to do these things, right? Like yourself, you had a goal, you have a mindset because the typical thing is to, you know, get an education, go and do all these things, get financial security, and do that. Business, you really don't know what your path is going to be, right? You can't predict what the market's going to do. You can't predict all these things. Nobody on the planet does. Some people do really good at it. Um, but I think, you know, again, First Nations are really good entrepreneurs because they honestly, they like, they're self-motivated. You know, they, they actually have gifts and skills and they want to share that with people. They love being acknowledged from their community for for good pieces of work, whatever it may be. If you're a carver, you know, you, you develop cakes, all these things. Like, you love sharing that. Like, that's what we're, I think that's really ingrained in us. You know, if I have a skill, you know, I'm, you know, I played soccer most of my life. And if I was, you know, being a soccer, which I was, was a soccer coach to my U10 team. I love passing that skill on. It's it, just something that we love doing. And then you know, again, like my grandma was a made sold pies, and she's like, you know, so and so is known for her pies, this and that. Um, so I think, honestly, I think the next shift—it's tough to say. I don't feel like we're, we're we want to rely on the government for everything anymore. I think we're definitely taking a shift in our own sort of business, but also it's having supports. You know, maybe people who've kind of. Taking the risks, you know, and that's what I kind of think too, is like, if I do this, you know, full wholeheartedly, if I put everything I got into this and some success comes out of it, mission accomplished, right? And then obviously, and so that'll create the Because I think I've seen that now that actually I've kind of put my, you know, I've seen a little bit of people taking, um, Risks of their own, right? Like I'm gonna start our own little business, so and so, and like see little logos on their trucks and stuff, and it's like, hey, cool, just catching on, right? Take take the opportunity, right? Business, there's no real criteria here, right? Like you're basically inventing this and you're regulating this, yeah. and the hard work ethic, hundred percent needs to have, you know what I mean? Like your su- your success dictates how much work you want to invest in it, but again, you have to enjoy it, or else it's gonna kill you. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of these things are really stressful. And I have to, again, regulate my emotional integrity with this all, right? Like, I have to know that I got more gas in the tank to freaking, like, keep going. And if I'm, again, like you mentioned before, is that if I'm not taking care of myself, I'm going to take all the frustrations, and stress of things not happening the way that I want them to happen out on the people closest to me. Right. And developing those support networks is super detrimental. And I know that, and that's something that I haven't built so much strength on in some ways. I have friends, family and stuff like that to talk to. But I noticed that, you know, you have you've set it up for quite well for yourself and you have the love and support of a partner and that does those things. And and again, it's you know, with children and family, those are those other kind of like facets where we could lean on for support too. Um, but it's like I, I think I think the community is starting to get more confidence with themselves. They want to take on, they want to set up a an nail, they want to do these things. It's almost like, well, we need office space because honestly, First Nations have an opportunity because again, t- the cash flow opportunities with not having to pay taxes is huge. I took full advantage of that as much as I possibly can because it's, you know, regardless of the taxation at the end of the year, you have the opportunity to really save yourself some cash flow during the process, right? So and honestly, the networking that we involve ourselves in, right? Like you come from, um, say so you live on one street, but guess what? You're connected to like a thousand other people automatically. You could just like share, hey, I'm, you know, I'm selling friggin' 50-50s. Boom, you got like 100 messages right off the way. You know that right away. Like, you know, we're really good at, you know, supporting, sponsoring, all these other things, right? Mm-hmm. We just love being a part of it. Right. And where's you don't get that sort of culture off off the reserve kind of thing, right? Because that's that's what we have and that's what I what pocket I wanted to fit into. I was like, I want my biggest goal here was just to create an organization that serves our people and honestly just keeps people working. Like I wanna survive and I wanna grow and I wanna you know, and it it, it turns into whatever it does, right? And and it's it's hard. You know, and again, provide people, and I always suggest that too with the guys that come in, it's like, hey, do you want to be your own business someday? Well, I could show you how, right? I'm not trying to lock you down here forever. If you have this, because some of them are just like, really have a hard time taking direction, but they're very skilled. So I'm like, I always leave that door open. I'm like, hey, I... You know, if you don't really like to have to listen to so and so, well, let's think about subcontracting you. How about let's get about, think about getting your business license, right? Stuff like that, right? Like just put that mindset in them because, you know, if Creek City is a starting point, then they branched off and then they become their own business. And it's like, hey, I'm hiring you to do this stuff, right? Like you invoice me, sure enough, I'll pay you, right? I'm not paying you a paycheck anymore. I'm paying you, a, you know, uh, for work done completed right and that's huge and that's just creating a lot of like education within our and confidence right i think that we need that because like this self-reliance thing on the government and organizations great we do need people making those conversations we do need those mitigators and stuff like that as well and you know people sitting at like the fisheries tables all those other stuff right these are very important little ongoing everywhere For the different breed of First Nations that we come in the next generation, I think we got a lot of, we have a lot of creative people. We have a lot of, um, the younger generation is very much empowered. They're very much, um, unique thinking, kind of like, uh, and I don't know where it came from, but I, I, I've seen a lot more control now of, like, the impulses, right? Because, I mean, my generation partied all the time, right? And did a lot of things and, you know, had kids at a young age. And the next generation now, they're more or less very much self-propelled. They have their own and sort of own little um, ideas, right? And they're still figuring themselves out. You know, COVID really took a, took a really, I guess, interfered the development, obviously, in a lot of ways. But I think... You know, again, it could be bad or good. I'm not too sure. But and now they're all sort of isolating amongst themselves. Cause you know, I was always looking for the party. Whereas now they're kind of trying to stay away from the party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's this weird thing. You know, it's all online stuff, right? Like that's their reality now. Yeah. And so, but they're also, you know, not harming themselves in some ways, right? So it's, it's kind of what I see it happening for the next generation. And again, if with people you know like yourself that will inspire people and maybe myself to kind of give them the opportunity the confidence to take take risks take a chance you know invest their money proportionally right like do it properly not like hey you made four grand last month hey let's go buy tires for your truck let's probably try to do something with that something funner right you know what i mean like something a little bit you know let's see if we can buy you know something that can actually profit off of in, in the long term or create more services yeah. uh, up your oh you know self-education big thing huge thing now people are like self like offering programs, teaching things and making tons of money off it because they're sharing what they know, right? Like, and this is, you know, again, something that you even for yourself, you could show people how to start a podcast and they'll pay you to do that, right? Like simple things like that, right? Like, it's not simple. I'm sure it's super complicated, but it's like not, it's something that I would love to do because, like, you know, it'd be nice to just kind of share these things and kind of update people. Cause I do, I, I do also listen to tons of other podcasters, right? And just it's, it's all great information because yeah. people are very motivated in what they want to share.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I feel like, um, there was a technological revolution in terms of the internet connecting indigenous communities one of the reasons I started this was with the belief that it breaks my heart that someone on reserve might not ever think of becoming a doctor because that's not their next door neighbor they can't just go ask hey how did you get into that program hey how like what were the steps you take what courses did you take when did you know how did you develop that passion and so like connecting people and making sure you can hear from lawyers doctors judges uh, accountants people from backgrounds you might not have in your community was important to me i'm running for chief right now of chihuahua Mm -hmm. i'm interested big challenge we're gonna have is we've got a huge deficit of like over five hundred thousand dollars in housing Mm. if i came to you what what solutions do you have how do i think about housing in a different way, because right now it's like, well, we should bug band members. And my mindset is like, they are never going to have uh, over a half a million dollars in order to pay off the deficit. So we have to think differently about it. But a big thing is people want to live on reserve. Yeah, mm-hmm. housing is so expensive. And to build new housing is a challenge. And to, to do all of this is a challenge. What are your thoughts on how Indigenous people can look at housing? How can we make sure that there is a sufficient amount
0: yeah you know what honestly, and that's and that's perfect is that you know you identify the problem, right? And you understand, okay, well, that's not the only problem, right? okay? and it's, it, why was it there in the first because people will think automatically, well, go get five hundred thousand dollars fix the houses. But guess what? Five years you the same problem, right? So and this is the research opportunity, right? You have a problem, do some research about it. And also, too, like, okay, you can couple this with other things. Like, say, um, you also have an employment issue. Boom, you go to the government and say, I need a grant for $150,000 to go employ a couple of people, right? And then they agree, whatever. So now, all of a sudden, you got all this labor force, right? And then you come to a contractor like myself or something that says, like, well, you know what? I've been looking for, you know, a project like this. Let's see what we can do. And because with my, when, again, this is my contracting company. I'm not saying it's completely different than everybody else. But in a way that I, my goal is slightly different. It's like, I'm willing to work with the budget. So, you know, providing the services, I'm like, well, I c- and again, this is where we, we've tried to understand our value, right? And say, well, find out what your budget is. That's be the first thing, right? Establish your problem, find out what the budget is, and then talk to somebody like myself, whoever, that's like, okay, what can we do? What can we, how can we at least say you only have like 300, you know, maybe half the money, right? Well, how do we bandy the situation? So then it could start taking care of itself. So we fix half the houses boom we get people and all of a sudden they start you know reasonable people to actually start developing skills and actually bring more money into the situation right like okay there's there's always strategies right and again it's just like and bringing more people to the table to talk about it and i think that's a huge thing because put that put that deficit strictly on your shoulders really be really be over not it'd be unfair let's say right hey vote him in he better fix this <laughs> you know I mean it's it's more or less well hey no again those delegating ideas and responsibilities and, and I think that's what you're really good at um, is actually just I think bringing people together that'll be the first thing you, might, you know to get to a bigger picture and then again it's just like um, writing it down in a presentable way to uh, to really find more opportunities, right? And then I guess it's like doing research. What what funding's out there? What what is our problem, and how do we solve it? And not just band-aid it, right? I mean, it's like because I know, and I've talked. I know a lot of people from your community, and I've asked them. And a couple of people have asked me to build them houses too. And I'm like, so, what, so what's your situation, right? And finances, and that's and that's the key thing too. Is people don't realize your financial education is huge, right? I mean, you can't you can't really build a business organization or anything with people who don't really understand how money works. Right. And so, and I think that's, it's a huge benefit of, you know, getting a team that understands budgets. And I've been trying to do that with, um, with people in my, in my, um, company as well. It's like, I mean, I've been slowly introducing these things to them. Like, hey, I'm going to give you $8,000 here. Like, okay, this is how much we got for the project. Break it down. What is our materials? What is our labor costs? Right. Being mindset. And that's actually, I realize an intellect thing too. People don't really focus on those things too much right? They just feel like, oh, things are going okay, I think, and all of a sudden you got $500,000 in the hole, right? So make sure, I think, at the very beginning that establishing the problem, right, in in terms of how did that happen, right? And not not pointing fingers, but like as a curious, again, stay curious, you know, on that side of it all. But, you know, you're going to you know, for something like that, you know, if you get a budget together, and I think a lot of communities do, and like super did the same thing, and you know, write a proposal and get the funding, you know, to really upkeep a lot of these things, and talking to CMHC and seeing what like health will pitch in, right? And a lot of these projects that happen, like if we we're, you know, developing a whole system of apartments, and a lot of a lot of departments like uh, part um, to partner up with each other, so health living with housing, and then also you have recreation, so. So keep this in mind. So, for example, if we have to build, say, a thirty-six unit house or apartment or whatever on the community, um, they put a gym in there. Hey, that's sports and rec money. Hey, we got to put um, a section for elders. Hey, that's elder money, right? And then I was housing, and then uh, hey, there's going to be, um, you know, health and stuff. So you know, we have all these departments, like m- money coming from a different size to build to solve one problem, right? There's always solutions. And again, it's just getting the right people into the rooms and talking about it. Like, oh, well, I have this opportunity with. Um, you know, the government's doing this proposal with uh, helping underdeveloped kids, right? So, um, again, it's just all these pockets of people, like, just have to strategize and come together. But it's, all, it's just having those conversations, I think, right? So, um, and I, I realized that when I worked over there, is that, you know, the departments silo themselves and sometimes, and it's like, it's unfortunate because health is always related to housing and it's always related to um, social justice and it's all these other things too. And it's like all the departments are intertwined in, long way, in a lot of ways. And we depend on like maybe one director to kind of just like get them all together in his head and like make a decision when it's like, there should be huge amounts of, you know, communication between the people that are in charge of making these, these running these budgets because like people, and again, I mentioned, I like, try to give say budget to one of my guys and like he's he feels like he's responsible for spending it I'm like no it's not it works and you need you need a job to a good standard and then if there's leftovers fantastic we push it towards any other projects that may cost us money <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean like just circling these like there's always weird little um financial loopholes I guess you could say and pockets of funding that all of a sudden accumulate into a really extensive useful amount right like if i took this this you know i got six projects going on i took little pockets of revenue and all of a sudden i could purchase a truck that will help the company in the future like that's great right and that's the whole idea it's just like kind of just isolating your budgets right look what do we have what do we have access to right having having all that stuff but that was that was something that would be confronted with me like yeah i would love to just kind of sit down and see what our options are right and and again it's just having Having those people at the table that really are just looking at the bigger picture of things, like how do we solve this? Because again, we you know you, you bring problem solvers, not money makers, yeah. <laughs> you know, those types of things, right? So um, yeah, and, that, and that's that's the huge exchange, and like you know, and that's super beneficial for you know, not trying to sell you on it. Like for a company that's developing too, that's a hook. Say hey, we've, we we help Chawaltal get out of this or that, you know. Yeah. And that's and that's and that's great, and that's good for my reputation. And same thing, I've. I've given loyalties to people who've helped me at the beginning and i have you know my neighbors were my first clients and a couple other people you know what i mean and i've like i have like you know offered them free services since then and you know scouts is one of the first investors that kind of thing with me that say like okay well again like i said i did a couple of jobs for them for at cost and i didn't make any money off it but i was just really trying to build relationships and say that i was honest right and that's really hard to do is to build a reputation with people build trust right and that would be the hugest thing for you to do is how do you find people that you can trust to do this work because again you have to delegate those responsibilities to somebody who knows how to do the work and you have to have those meetings with them like hey i don't know i don't got a good feeling about this guy and it's because feelings everything we're emotional beings right our intuition is built on everything right you know it's like you know, I could give, write you a book, a report, and say this is what Creeksider is about. But until you meet me, until you actually sit down and we have these conversations, you have no idea who I am. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's one of the big challenges. I just had someone reach out and kind of go, well, you're not involved in very many family events, like fa- community, family, more events. And it was like, fair enough, like uh, in terms of me running for chief. And they were like they they feel very skeptical in regards to my leadership because of that, because they're like, how do we know? And it's like, first of all, I'm open to attending anything that you would like me to attend. I've never been invited. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't think it's my job to go and bother you to figure out why I'm not being invited. That's your call on whether or not you think I'd be a good guest. Um, so there's that piece. For me, it's like, I think I bring a background in policy, how to lead a community. I think I also bring like external relationships. I think I know how to communicate with people, sit down, figure out where we can work together and be humble and know I don't have all the answers. The best I can do is bring the best people in, sit down with them and figure out what we can do from there. And that is, I I think the role of any good leader. The challenge I think my community has right now is we're not partnering externally with anyone we're completely focused on our internal mechanisms our internal squabbles and so somebody if you came up to the door and knocked and said hey do you guys need any help we wouldn't even be able to focus on that because we're so focused on what's going on with all of our portfolios that we're not thinking like well who are the movers and shakers outside of our community that we can partner with to get things done and I think that's hopefully what my ability would be to sit down and go okay how do we do this how do we and do a garrison style design in our community where we're planning the whole community to come together because that's the big challenge is like we build a house but there's no sidewalks there's no and seabirds kicking our ass right now and I'm a competitive person I love what seabirds doing and I want my community to have that I'm like I see the sidewalks coming and I see all of the backyard developments way in the back area and I'm like this is good this is what you want you want the feeling of sidewalks and lights and safety and community and people walking their kids down the road you want that sense of security you don't want to be like is it safe is there a bear out there you want like a, some mm-hmm. sense of security and some sense Sense of like logical community development and that's what i see garrison has is like all it all makes sense the back areas make sense everything was pre-designed of like this is how it's going to be designed it wasn't like this house is going to be kind of like this and then we'll put an apartment next to it and then we'll put townhouses next to it and like well what was the long-term plan here that's why zoning can be so valuable is because if you zone everything properly and you go we want to do a hundred Residential places here. We want people to have rentals in the back, like whatever it is, but you want it to all kind of come together. And I think that first it's a community consultation. What does the community want? Then let's go implement that. Let's bring about housing so people are proud of where they live. And I see Scow Luke doing those five I don't know if you've seen them they're right near the indigenous bloom but they have like five houses but they're all like sectioned off I think that that's like a very affordable way to kind of get people started who don't have housing right now or who are living homeless and like how do we do this so we're we're happy with our results
0: yeah I think actually like it's it's very useful and I think you've you've interviewed plenty of leaders and they you know keeping that humility is is key and you know understanding de-weaponize them and that that sounds bad but it's like yeah, no, I didn't grow up around here. You know, yeah, no, I don't have kids or whatever. Like, you just kind of take the weapons away from them. But, again, I'm willing to, to have these conversations, yeah. right? And it's like, I'm going to offer this, this, and this, and this, and I'm willing to learn this, 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 and this, right? And it's like and it's great because, you know, it's really hard to keep you cool when people are confronting you with these things. like, no, I, I fully acknowledge it, you know, again, but I I, I respect and honor the, the family culture, right? And just I'm willing to learn and sit down. I'm willing, and that's, that's the hugest things because people um, always assume in leadership that you have all the answers. I'm like, no, I'm just willing to figure them out, right? And it's like, and that's kind of, and that's that's sort of the philosophy that I could try to keep myself. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing half the time, but I know that I have the capacity to figure it out, right? And Mm as if you're disrupted by certain things, well, let me know. Again, it's all information. And if it's very important to you, then I'll figure it out, right? And again, it's like, okay, because people want to buy into the type of person you are to one thing, right? And how useful you are, right? And we all want to be really useful. And I think like, you know, we all come with barriers. Like so, again, my my benefit of when I was in politics, uh, getting elected, like I, you know, surprisingly did really well, and was, and I still have to make amends for those kind of my decisions to step back and not finish the term. But I, you know, I felt like I had a bigger purpose in in terms of I learned as much as I did there. And now I still want to contribute to the community in a different way. Right. And I think, you know, just you doing this, spending countless hours, like setting these things up and interviewing really, you know, um, uh, people that actually have a lot to offer right? You're already giving back in a lot of ways. And this is just like, you know, on your own steam in a lot of ways, right? And, you know, and that's, that's huge. And that, that speaks a lot to, you know, speaks volumes of what your intentions are with the people. And it's like, you know, and especially in politics, you, you're, you're 24-7, right? You're, you know, you've interviewed people like, uh, you know, you know, Michael Dave and, you know, Derek, I've heard a couple of those guys and I know them personally. And then, you know, um, a couple of my family members. So you're you're not, you're not know, afraid of a challenge. And I think that's that's probably the biggest thing you can kind of show these people, right? And it's like, it's a challenge, but I'm not afraid of it. I'll figure it out. <laughs> and then just have that really impactful way to expressing it. But yeah, land use plans, people want to see these. And I know, and I'm, I'm not too familiar with Tuasa, but also, yes, you guys got all these, what I've really. Strongly believe in politics is that you know we silo each community, which is the government strategy anyway. Boom, 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 pocket everybody. But it's like if we had this sort of like, you know, one monthly Zoom meeting with each of the leaders in, like, yeah. at least five communities, like, so many problems could get solved quicker. Like, we're all doing the same work, and we're not, you know what I mean? We're spending the same money, where it could be, like, a 10-minute phone call with somebody from check, and like, how did you do this? Oh, okay, sweet. Yeah. Boom, thousands of dollars saved there, right? Like, we're not wasting resources and energy, like, trying to solve something that somebody did last year, yeah. you know what I mean? So, communication, huge, and, like, and also, like, that humility that you have, like, hey, Seabird's how did you get this? And you can call me whoever's in, in the lands department. Like, well, what did you do? And they should be willing to answer those questions, yeah. right? Like, where did you go? And it's like, but, but I think again, each community is their own individual in in a lot of ways. And so, you know, what we what you may seem seabird has. Um, beneficial, like we're we're also lacking in the in the other areas, right? That's also very so again, it's that trading of information, right? So you gotta figure out what your assets are and what are your pros and cons and what you want from each other. Trading this information is huge and it saves a lot of time. Again, especially like you said, just keeping that humility and saying like and that's what I realized in politics that we don't meet with other communities very often. The most rewarding times I've I've had were with Jamie Starrett and stuff like that, when we've actually had governmental development classes where we broke up into focus groups and it was like, we actually just shared little tidbits about what we're going on in our community. And it was especially it was during COVID. So we're like sitting there like, Oh, does this person say this? Like, It's very similar. So we're all meeting, trying to figure out these problems, isolate ourselves in our own little community, but every community is talking about it. Right. And some of this, there's just weird and they all have really good ideas to how to get to the moment. Like Jay, this is doing this. Zebra's doing this. Jam's doing this, like all the same problems. I and mean, just COVID for example, but I mean it took it would take five minutes and then we'd all come like, oh, share each other's ideas or email each other, like, hey, this is what Jail's doing, cham, doing, boom, have this network, right? But, but it just doesn't seem to happen a lot of the times. Yeah. So but I mean I, I did this informally because well this is where I mentioned I played a lot of soccer. I connect people with people all the time through this, through sports, right? So, you know, my coach was from Chehalis and I have another one from Scowlets and I have like players from Jack and I played with Derek and Tyler and all these other guys. And, you know, they have all these players and we come together and we just bullshit, right? And then we talk about what's going on and we talk about politics, we talk about this and it's like, that's where we congregate, right? In the, in the level of sport and it's just a multifaceted kind of thing and we all have each other those ideas and it's nothing, it's all off the record of course yeah. and it's like, those are where real conversations and useful ideas come from, right? It's just kind of like when it's not... there's no minutes right there's no this there's no that it's no like you know there's not in a boardroom they're just at places where people are being themselves and they're very passionate about the work they do right so i think you've already developed yourself like a really good social network especially with doing all these things that you now you have this like list of all these people in your contacts that you could ask any second of the day of like certain things right because you've developed really strong relationships with them, right?
1: Yeah, that is the trip, is like how I just sat down with Andrew Victor and he was like, we used to talk to Chawatho and it's like, how do we not talk? We have the same problems, (laughs) like we we need to be meeting to go over these things and figure out how we can do things better and thinking about like, what strategy did you use? Oh, that was a problem and like things arose there, but also just pooling and working collaboratively where we can make that make sense of like we all have our own like finance managers. Well, how about we get one really qualified person to, to try and carry on more and then make sure they have the admin staff to manage it like why can't we collaborate more mm-hmm. in those regards and uh i know there's hesitations with that because when one or one community gets more money then other communities go like well we feel underserved we feel undervalued so there's like you have to put in mechanisms to kind of prevent that feeling of like oh why are they always over there why are they so hard to get a hold of mm-hmm. so there's challenges with that but i think there's tons of opportunities to like overcome that if we all get together and that's I, I agree the big challenge is like we've been taught like we need to do our own thing and be separate and it's mm-hmm. like it really slows us down because we can't even hear about how did you address that okay that, that community addressed it that way that community addressed it this way and so i think that's a, a valuable next step can you tell people how they can connect with your business how they can follow you online i love that you have uh your staff members on your website highlighting them showing them the value they bring to your organization can you tell people how they can connect
0: yeah. And so they got the Facebook page and again, it hasn't been updated recently, but, and also, um, at, uh, you know, Creek Cedar contracting on Facebook as well. Um, the, my website is creekcedar.com. And again, there's a link on there too. And you can email me, go straight to my, um, right to my inbox um but again too and I got my guys roaming around just you know I told them uh, all the time as like, anybody approaches you give them a car talk to them really friendly right and forwarded my number and again it's you know again it's my contact in there until things change and but um for the most part yeah it's 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 a lot of word of mouth too and I, I again I've you you've sent me some information about e-commerce grants and stuff like that and I just uh you know I've really had uh, hesitant sometimes, like you never want to get too big too fast. But again, I've always never shy away from. It. I have a hard time turning down work. But I, again, too, it's like in, in the capacity of changing and growing the business. I want. I, I would love to have people more, more interested in working with us and also hiring us too. Right? Like, and that, that's what the, what I'm meant to. So again, if you're looking for work, if you're you know obviously you have projects that you want us to be a part of, and just to talk, you know, talking's free. And again, get call the number, email all that stuff that's on the website. It's all right to me. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, I'm assuming after this, you know, might get a couple of uh, interesting uh, clients that uh, come some offers for us. But, um, yeah, that's, that's probably the best way to do it
1: awesome I have really enjoyed this I was so excited after our first conversation I was like this needs to be a podcast episode because you are passionate in a way that so many people lose that spark in the first year so many people get jaded frustrated with um, bureaucracy with um, people not showing up people not always paying what they need to pay people can get bitter and resentful and think I tried to do good and what a waste of my time to try and and your mindset of like Kate like that's them I'm 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 going to keep moving forward. The philosophy is good, but they're not there yet. And that's okay. That's life. Not everybody's going to be ready for that. There's only 25% who are ready for, to make that big step. But I think, Your philosophy has not been well implemented outside of the tourism industry, outside of uh, shops and restaurants that people are used to, where they kind of expect maybe that philosophy of giving back and trying to support the community. Your ethos seems so different than anything I've ever heard. And it's why I wanted to sit down with you is because I think we're lucky that you're trying this. I think you set the example for other people to think, how can I find whatever I'm doing, whether it's electrical plumbing, whether it's starting a clothing line, whether it's whatever it is. How can I make this have a positive impact that causes the individual to improve? It causes the community to improve. It causes me to improve and it causes others who hear about it to want to improve. Like that's a very challenging endeavor to take on, but so worthwhile and something that I just, I think is so unique and so important. So it's been an honor to sit down with you, to be able to talk about these things, because I think that they're just so inspiring.
0: I appreciate that. Thank you.